0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold, coming to the ring from parts unknown with a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zom!
1: You don't wanna be uh, at. say no, sweet home. It's always with misery. We knew when we got here, they tried to put us away. Uh, but when they see us the walk down the street, they ran the other way. Bad street, in LLGA. Fast breed in the whole USA. Bad street, naturally and, and The further down the block you went, the better it got. Baby, back for the silver and gold. I am the loaf. He is Dr. Zom. Yes, he is. <laughs> I don't know
2: what that singing was. I don't ask me,
3: people. Uh, we got some coal mining folios this week. The Molly Maguires, 1970. Mate Juan, 1987. Uh, Zom, uh-huh. how are you, sir? I know you've been a bit under the weather still
2: dude i don't know what the fuck uh god or whoever is pulling the strings in my life has decided that since i am going to horror hound weekend to make my fucking stomach be fucked up for about two weeks straight but last yesterday was uh it was fucking pretty miserable and i'm just kind of uh i have today well i have today's wednesday have uh, Thursday and we're leaving Friday morning. So hopefully we can get this all corrected. Um, and if we, don't, if we can't, I'll throw on some mail depends. And, uh, you know, Justin can help me change my diaper. He can powder me. Yay. And, uh, you know.
3: And I will be thinking of everybody from my seat at the Jesus and Mary Chain show on Friday. I, I wish I could go, honestly, but
2: it is what it is. As of right now, the dam is uh plugged but now <laughs> i have the belly of a, preg- a nine month pregnant woman whatever i don't even know what pregnant woman i don't i don't know whatever that's gross yeah
3: um i uh <laughs> started 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 my new my new position with apple this week and it's 69 it's 69 it's hard to do um especially standing Oh, my phone just fell out of my pocket onto the floor.
2: And you can't even wear your fucking uh, Pee Wee Herman shoes.
3: I cannot because I would cripple myself. Um, so yeah, but I uh, I have a day off today. I had a day off on Monday. I had a day off, two days off last week. It's it's crazy. Jesus, I, I'm not, I'm not used to all this time off. I know. I got to, I actually got your, to watch fucking movies this week.
2: You know what's going to happen? You're going to end up getting in trouble. <laughs> Get too much time on your hands. <sighs> T- much, d- d- the idle time is the much devil's workshop.
3: Time on my hands. Um. But yeah. So, hopefully, I'll get the hang of the shit at work soon. Uh. Feel like I'm running around with like a chicken with my head cut
1: off.
3: So, um. Since you've been laid up, how how's the movie watching been? What have you been up to? It has
2: not been great. <laughs> <laughs> because. There have been several times where I started watching stuff, and because of the severe fucking moaning and cramping, uh, I just could not – I didn't care. I just didn't care. Plus, then I was telling you uh, when I did feel good, which was for for a couple days after the poison (laughs) ivy started clearing up, I felt good. Went and rode my motorcycle and shit, you know. And I was like, man, finally, I feel fucking good.
3: Listen to the gentleman's two uh, hundredth episode and almost, almost wee weed yourself.
2: Oh, the fucking Jake McLeod huge. Uh, that was really funny. Montage was fucking funny. The singing was, the, <laughs> that, like, some journey and stuff like that was <laughs> hilarious. But um, um, I started watching. I don't know what fucking prompted me to to watch this. But something – I saw a clip or something about the old Larry Sanders show, mm-hmm. which is Gary Shandling, and I thought,
1: hmm, yeah, I wonder if that's on Netflix as to watch. <laughs>
2: And so um, I, um, I'll tell you one thing Netflix needs to do. Uh, when they – of course when you get on the the page on the internet, you can look up anything by – you can even just go okay documentary and just pull up all the documentaries. You can you can uh, look up by title. You can look up by actor. But when you're on your fucking Roku and you do a search on Netflix, uh, you have to go by title. So mm-hmm. if you don't have something specifically, in, well, sort of, I guess you you know you can start putting in some letters and it'll pull up a list. But I was trying to just find some. Documentaries or westerns and stuff, and I put I just typed in Charles Bronson and it brought up the movie Bronson and that's it. So it's kind of now sucks. you
3: um do you have you have a PlayStation three right? Yes. Try the Netflix app on that because I know on that you can search for names and stuff too.
2: She well I'd use it for that because I don't use it for anything else.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Okay. Well. Anyway, I watched the uh I watched about twenty five episodes of the Larry Sanders Show in a row. <laughs> I mean, in a row, because I was sick, and I just watch. I just didn't go to the next one, go to the next one. Okay, two – two. well, I have a, uh, just a couple comments. It's funny. Hey, now. <laughs> uh, Hank is funny. Uh, uh, Rip Torn is fucking hilarious. Um, and the first season, his wife in the first season has great tits, um, and – they have this one girl who is Hank's receptionist, mm-hmm. and she's on there all the time. And she has fucking just a—I mean, she had to have been a model or something because he's on the show always, uh, even though he's bald-headed and you know, right? Just looks like an average, you know, fifty-year-old man or whatever. Right? Um, he always—they always show him going out with twenty-year-old uh, stewardesses and shit like that. <laughs> so, but this chick's hot. I mean, she always wears fucking short mini skirts, or even if she has jeans on she looks good uh janine garofalo's on there i think that's why i started watching it. it's because i was watching some shit with her and i watched an interview where she was talking about being on that show and i guess at one time sarah silverman was a regular on there but i didn't get to that part because after 25 episodes in a row i got fucking burnt out um <laughs> i watched uh capote with philip seymour hoffman yeah, yeah i saw that in the film. Yeah, I, I, that is the last movie I saw in our local, um, just our local theater, which wasn't a movieplex, and they showed like uh, right before they went out of business, they were showing Good, Bad, and the Ugly. They showed Ben Hur, uh, and Capote had just came out. And was nominated for Academy Award, and um, I went there, and it was winter time. It was nice, and uh, they're they're still talking about somebody buying it and opening it back up. So I hope they do. Um, but that's, that's, the movie's really good. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's excellent in it. Uh, boom boom. I watched Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, I just don't get this movie. I don't really? get it. It just to me, it is. I don't understand why anybody would think. I mean, okay, and and I like some biblical movies, like mm-hmm. the old school ones. Like, I mean, I'll watch fucking uh, Ten Commandments. I feel like I'm fucking gonna have to take a shit here. I mean, I can just feel stuff just fucking <laughs> moving around. Okay, I'm gonna concentrate. Oh,
1: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh man.
2: Oh, anyway. Uh, like uh, Ben Hur, uh, Ten Commandments, greatest story ever told. Uh, like greatest story ever told is Max von Sydow plays Jesus, um, and I could watch that. And I'm not like a big religious person anymore or anything like that. But this movie, it it, it just doesn't make sense to me. The the pretty much the entire movie ninety probably eight percent of it is just him getting beaten and then crucified and it's like okay that's just it, it's oh wait I
3: thought I thought you said I thought I thought you said the Scorsese one no 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 uh, no, no Passion of the Christ okay <laughs> I,
2: after I watched this one I said I should go and watch the Last Temptation yeah you know, Last Temptation with Willem Dafoe because at least it it has something to it this is just a guy getting beaten to death for an hour and a half or whatever
3: i saw that in the in the theater it was a random thing uh, because i knew it was coming out i was like yeah i can see it i I saw it the day it opened and um i sat behind a priest and beside this lady um the priest i was really hoping to hear like him talking to somebody about it afterward but i did not and but the lady beside me just bald the entire movie she was just sitting there with like a snot rag it's like
2: (laughs) talk about something that that is just i remember when my mom saw it she goes it just you know it just shows how much he suffered for us (laughs) i'm like what you know no it doesn't i mean okay his own fault well i mean i'm not gonna get in the fucking story but um okay it was the plan was divine so it couldn't be stopped. Whatever was going to happen was going to happen because it was – that's the way it was supposed to be. Right. Okay, and God decreed that. And God is – if you say he's Jesus' father, then that means he tortured his own son and Some let it happen. people would
3: say that they're all the same.
2: And if they're all the same, then he just did it tortured to – Tortured himself. He tortured himself, so he's a fucking masochist. He's not a <laughs> sin of Or – I just I don't give a fuck. Scratch that off. It was just a. It was really a piece of shit. I think it was a fucking total piece of shit. It's
3: it's exploitative.
2: It is. If that's all it is. Is an exploitation movie. Yeah. And uh, the only thing that would have made it better is if Ilsa would have been whipping him. Yeah. on his face. Oh, speaking. Of, oh, I
3: watched I watched Diane Thorne in a movie this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess uh, that's. Yeah. I, need to, uh, I forgot to. Add, I think uh, no. There it is. Never mind. I thought I forgot to check into it.
2: Speaking of, oh, <laughs> now this will be your opinion, uh, even though uh, you probably haven't seen this. I watched Valentine's Day, which had an all-star cast. Uh, had uh, uh, what's his name? Cooper, Bradley Cooper, uh, <laughs> the uh, the uh, Eric Roberts' sister Julia. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Jessica Biel, who did. I mean, you took yeah. She was in that mode where she was working out all the time when she was dating like uh, a Rod and shit. Mm-hmm. Her shoulders—they were. I Sammy was right. She had shoulders like <laughs> Dolph Lundgren, and it. Looked, and she had a dress on, and it just looked compared to the other girls is like, dude, you look like shit. That, oh, that, that got, does not look good.
3: You got Patrick Dempsey. You got Patrick Jamie Dempsey. Fox. This is an all-star Fo- cast.
2: It had an all-star cast.
3: <laughs> um, Queen want- Latifah. Yes. <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't think this was as bad as what people said it was. For, for a chick flick rom-com... Why is it uh, over
3: two hours long?
2: Because it has all those people, and they have to get their time in. There's no excuse for that. Um, okay, well, we'll move on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I, I liked the... Um, I liked the part... The Bradley Cooper, Julia Roberts thing, I liked when they were on the plane, because you thought it was going one way, and you saw it, you said?
3: "I No, no, I haven't seen it.
2: Okay, well then I won't tell you. Because you'll probably watch it now. (laughs) Don't spoil it. (laughs) Okay, next thing I watched was Inglorious Bastards in Blu-ray. Boy, this Blu-ray looks good. Fuck, it's clear. Um, The Hans Landa uh, part is just fucking awesome. Um, And Brad Pitt... I still I mean I know his was more It was like Brad Pitt was playing Sergeant Fury in the Howling Commandos because people said what was he doing with his mouth what was he doing with his mouth He was trying to stick his chin out so he would look like a big square-jawed American <laughs> hero you know have a big big square jaw and uh, but he was awesome <laughs> you know yeah. and uh the Bear Jew I give the Bear Jew a pass I don't yeah, care I'm,
3: I'm fine whatever he's silly
2: Yes, yeah, this uh, fucking Sarah Silverman should have played the bear Jew. <laughs> that was Did really you see, funny. You saw her naked, didn't you? When I, posted? Well, I, I
3: have seen, yeah I, yeah, I saw uh, I those. said
2: she was built like the Iron Sheik, and somebody <laughs> else said she was built like an Iron Mike Sharp. And shaved.
3: Canada's yeah. greatest athlete.
1: Oh, there you go.
2: Um, I watched the Sunshine Boys, and this was more of a modern, this has been done a couple times. And I thought, God damn, man, this will be good. It's in my Netflix Instant queue. I almost started doing the voice, which I'm not going to do anymore, which is, you know, man, this is going to be pretty good, man. Um, <laughs> Too late. You did it. <laughs> I did. I mean, I was just, that was an example. <laughs> oh, okay. This, this had Woody Allen and Peter Falk. And I thought, oh, my God, this will be good. You know, I like Woody Allen. I like Peter Falk. It also has Sarah Jessica Parker.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: and this was when she was pretty young. So she still looked okay. Uh, Leah Shriver's in it. Um, not for very long, but this was a, this sucked. I mean, I could, it was, it was so boring. So scratch through that. Uh, (laughs) I I really didn't like it at all. I I think math Walter math And, um, I can't remember who the other guy was. Uh, Jack lemon were in the, the, the other one. And I, I wouldn't mind trying that one because this one just sucked. Peter folk got on my fucking nerves. Sorry. And I like him. He used my son. Um, What's this say? Oh, okay. I watched uh Norwegian Ninja, which is a 2010 movie. Netflix Instant Watch. Ooh, I've heard uh, about this one. Um, it's uh, I thought it was pr- kind of funny because I'm not Norwegian. Uh huh. Um, so you know some of the stuff. Even though some of the the, uh, like puns and the shit that they're making fun of, uh, like the laid backness. <laughs> of <laughs> the Norwegians including the ninjas it'd be like uh, special uh, uh, Thomas Capellan uh demolitions and very laid back you know the, <laughs> <laughs> when they were introducing them and the, the, the uh, but, uh, uh, it was alright <laughs> I don't think it was great but it was okay uh, that it, was, was one of the it was fun,
3: that, you're trying to say.
2: Well, no, that was one of the ones that I started – I was kind of sick, so I, uh. I uh, didn't watch really super-duper close. One that I did watch <coughs> really super-duper close, and I watched it twice over two days. Or not twice over two – well, yeah, okay. I watched it in its entirety one time, and I was sick, so I kept turning it off, turning it back on. And then the second time I watched last night um, all the way through, Sunset Boulevard, 1950. Yeah. William Holden, Gloria Swanson. This is a Billy Wilder movie, and Eric von Stroheim, which I, I do believe that there was a German wrestler named Eric von Stroheim too, but it's not the same guy. Um, this movie is a ten, yeah. And I we're not we're not uh, uh, rating it, but it's a ten. I have never seen it, no and uh, when at the beginning, uh, first of all. I know, like in *Picnic* and a lot of the uh, movies in the '50s, they would make the guys all shave their bodies if they if they didn't. Like if you see movies from that time where they're on the people are on the beach or they're in bed or something like that, the guys all are smooth, and they said they would make them shave their their bodies. Well, William Holden in *Picnic* was completely hairless, but in <laughs> this, he broke the mold because he was a bear, uh, and he looked pretty good, you know. Um, uh, Gloria Swanson was awesome and the the thing that really got me at first was because I kind of knew the story yeah uh, it 's you know so famous uh, but i i loved I loved the story and I loved the um you know just her house yeah yeah, it was all covered in uh, uh, uh Ivy and shit like that, and like it had was hadn 't been kept up but it was just this just interesting It'd be the kind of place just you just want to walk through and look at everything, but the part about the chimp at the beginning I was like this is going to be awesome uh, <laughs> anyway uh, if you haven't seen it chicken dude it's on uh, Netflix since watch I watched uh big bad sis from nineteen seventy six uh, big bad sis is something that I got on a each lay each lay and I have a whole bunch of them and I just thought, wonder well, what this is, you know, it's a. Uh, I think it's Shaw Brothers, uh, starring Ping Chen, uh, and is directed by uh, Chung Sun. Uh, this is pretty good. It's it, it it'd be like if it was made in America, it would like Pam Greer would be big bad sis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so it's a kind of a a um, Hong Kong uh, woman empowerment movie, and uh, she she basically is a a woman that don't take no shit and uh in this one girl this this these she kind of uh gets these girls to uh that work and women that work in this factory to kind of um stand up for themselves but it starts out with this uh one girl and it's got a lot of tid in it it's got a lot of nudity it's got a lot of um of um it's got some sex in it um and um but big bad sis uh she whips this one it's got some lesbianism in it uh, lesbian rape <laughs> and uh um she stops that from going on uh, uh this young girl's getting um I don't want to say getting molested by a bull dyke but that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> And so she whips this girl's ass, and the young girl's like, you need, uh, you know, her her name's not Big Bad Sis, but I'm going to call her Big Bad Sis. You know, Big Bad Sis, uh, could you teach me karate? She says, I don't know karate. She says, I just know how to fight ruthless. That's her style is ruthless. Like grab guys' balls, bite guys' balls, um, all kinds of shit. Use just anything you can just to hit people with. Lots of good stunts in it. Uh, this would be a Jake McClurge huge movie. He's probably already covered it. Cause that fucker covers everything. That's fucking, uh, Asian yeah, on fucker. I guess, our humanity, which is a really good show. Check it out. Check it out. Especially when I'm on there. Cause it's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> started watching this today. Uh, gun, the man down 1956, Netflix, instant watch, I, I wanted to watch some old Westerns. Oh, I'm going to vomit. Wait a minute. Don't do that. Um, said it'd be good for the show. Good for business. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, um, James Arness, who played uh, Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke for about 20-plus years, uh, is pretty young in this, and he's the star. And it's got a very young, uh, has-to-be 19, 20-year-old Angie Dickinson. Yeah. Uh, he, I liked that. Oh, she was good looking. Oh, uh, but then I had to watch Mate 1, so. <laughs> which I've seen so many times, I don't even know why I watched it. I've seen that movie so many times, I can pretty much quote it word for word. Uh, We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. And uh, the last thing I watched, um, which was uh, this morning, started watching it when I got up and decided to uh, test the uh, old gizzard and eat some food. Uh, The Charge of the Light Brigade is on Netflix Instant Watch. It's 1968. There's a couple of these. Uh, There was a... I think there was a uh, – there might have even been a silent version, and then there was one that was made in the 40s. Uh, this one, 1968, uh, it stars Trevor Howard, John Gielgud, uh, Harry Andrews is in there, and Vanessa Redgrave. Um, this one is weird because um, I don't know that much about Charge of Light, the actual Charge of the Light Brigade. It's a, a uh, famous military blunder. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know you always hear about, and uh, in um, I can't remember if it was Cross of Iron with James Coburn. Somebody said something about. Oh no, it was uh, Eagle has landed with uh, Duval, Treat Williams, uh, Mike my, my Cocaine. Uh, where uh, one of the, I think it was Admiral Durnitz said, um, this they were going to assassinate Winston Churchill, and. Admiral Dönitz said this would make the charge of the Light Brigade look like a sensible military exercise. Well, Himmler, who was played by Donald Pleasance, had everybody's uh, offices and phones bugged, and he asked Robert Duvall about um, the mission. And Robert Duvall said, "You know, uh, you know, I think it, I think it's a fine idea and everything." And He goes, "Some people might say it would make the charge of the Light Brigade look like a sensible military exercise." And Duvall had been at, in the other in Durnas' room when he said that. So anyway, Charge of the Light Brigade. Um, what's weird about it is, first of all, the first like half, of the, and it's a long movie, the first half of it is basically just setting up what fucking douchebag, asshole, these aristocrats were. Right. And they were just fucking fuckheads. <laughs> uh, and, and especially in the military, like the officers, they could say shit to each other like if you were an enlisted man and you went up to an officer and said this is fucking stupid. Well then they could just they could fucking tie you to a wagon wheel and just beat you till you I mean like you were with a whip till you were just bloody. But like it was like an officer and a gentleman thing where they kept the stiff upper lip and you might think this guy is the biggest fucking moron in the world. It just it was how they set it up. It that part was a little bit boring at first. Right. But I I could see what they were doing. But then, like, right in the middle of it, in certain parts, it was almost like a Monty Python movie where they threw in these uh, animated parts, like Terry, like a Terry Gilliam animation. Oh, weird. I, I don't think it was Terry Gilliam. <laughs> I don't know who it was. But th- they were good. They, they, and, and they were just, like, showing uh, – uh, you have to watch it. But, I mean, it's, it, it was just interesting that they did that. And then when they got down to the actual battle stuff and some of the shit – uh, that happened. I was like, "Holy, oh, this is just fucking." I mean, it was good. It's a really good movie, but um, like I said, you just have to get through that first part where they're um, it, the, the. It's not that it's bad, yeah, yeah. Because you're just you're just like Jesus Christ. I mean, these fucking just rich assholes, just rich assholes that live in like their own goddamn world and are oblivious to uh, you know, even though they they might have like one guy had been in india and had actually been in combat had been a hero but the rich arist- aristocrats that were the the officers hated him and resented him because they said if we have people that know what we're doing or that if we have people leading our armies that know what they're doing it'll make their it'll make our class look bad Something like that.
3: Yeah.
2: So these people didn't know shit, but just because they were rich they'd be like the generals. Right. Anyway it's kinda it's kinda like uh the one with um Kirk Douglas, uh that um, what's his face dude? That one guy. That, that one that Cooper guy.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just saw a clip of that this morning. Made me want to see it again.
2: Too. But anyway, that's about it. So I stretched out. I had I did less movies, but I probably talked more.
3: That's cool. Um Whatever. Let's see. So I actually got some stuff in, yeah. unusual for me lately. Um, I watched... Uh, so I, I watched... Uh, I got this in the mail. Um, it's... it's uh, For some reason, didn't own it, but uh, Time Bandits, the Criterion DVD. I, I don't know if they're going to release a Blu-ray of it, but I went and got it for like seven bucks on eBay. I mean, on uh, Amazon. And um, so I watched it with the commentary, which was good and bad. It had interesting parts... But the four main people involved never were together, so it was like Gilliam talking, and then his would cut off all of a sudden, and it would be the kid, and then it would be the writer, and then like John Cleese talked for a little bit. But I like it better if there's going to be multiple people in a commentary for them to all be in the same room so they can talk to each other as well. So um, hate each other's gut. except for uh no, I, th- I don't know. I don't know why they did that. I don't think they hate each other. I mean, the kid never really so- acted again um Uh so his was probably just and and it's it's crazy i posted the image um it looks exactly the kid in that movie looks so much like me um but we'll 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 be talking about this movie more um i watched uh mother of tears i finished off the uh mother's trilogy the argento mother's trilogy uh this one was gorier definitely than uh suspirio or you
2: said no
3: yeah, it's new. Two thousand and seven. Um, it's uh, Asia Argento is is, is the star. Um, so it's new kind of, it? oh yeah, a couple times. Um, so it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like there's a shower scene. I'm like, oh, her her dad filmed the her his daughter in the shower. Um,
1: That's but, okay. Like t-
3: that. Those Italians. Um, no, it, it was okay. I, I liked it. All right. I mean, it, it wasn't offensive or anything. You know, the, it, a lot of horror movies just bore me. But this was this it, it was entertaining enough. Um, and, um, it fits with the other ones too, so it, it was, it was all right. Um, I went to the theater and watched Lawless, the new, uh, Hillcoat movie, and this one had a little bit of a discussion on our Facebook group. Um, apparently there's been some negative reviews of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't read them. I don't really, I'm not, don't really plan on it just because I actually enjoyed this. Uh, so it's like, you know, whatever. I don't care about people not liking it now, so... <laughs> Maybe before. People don't
2: like it. I haven't read any reviews.
3: I that's apparently are people so. people, on it? people have told me that there's been bad reviews, which I haven't actually gone out and seek them out yet. So uh,
2: who cares?
3: But uh, it's good. It's very violent. Um,
2: Movie reviews are stupid anyway.
3: Yeah. God, whoever reviews movies is <laughs> a fucking idiot. The. Um, but uh, yeah. Oldman, Oldman's in it, and is just a. I love his intro to the movie with the, he he just like steps out of a car with a Tommy gun and just the, the sound that it makes it was fantastic. Um, and uh, Shia LaBeouf is in it and is pretty good. And uh, uh, what's his name? Tom Tom Hardy uh, is very mush-mouthed Gee. in it. He talks name, like, he, uh, I don't remember what his name was. he talks like? Guy? This guy no,
2: what's his name? Guy? Um, oh, guy Pierce. Guy
3: Pierce. Guy Pierce yeah. is a fucking creep in it, and he had to have yeah. shaved the part in his hair because I don't think he's—I don't know if he, I don't think he's balding, but the guy, you know, the character he's playing has this butt cut right down the middle, but that part is like a fucking inch wide. It's so gross looking, and he's very like—he's always combing his hair and wearing gloves. He's like kind of a germaphobe. it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the death rattler himself, uh, sent me some DVDs in the mail. Um, I started watching a few of those. I watched the erotic adventures of Pinocchio and the what? The erotic adventures of called? Pinocchio. Oh, it was is, like a porno movie. Yeah. Like, like, like is it's word. operative word. It's softcore and from the seventies and it's a comedy and it was not good. Yeah. Um, Diane Thorne is in it. She plays the, I guess the, Pinocchio. the fairy godmother. Um, part I don't. It's, I don't really. I don't remember it entirely. The story of Pinocchio. This is now my frame of reference for Pinocchio. <laughs> if
2: he lies. His nose grows.
3: Well, this one. Every he must ti- be a little boy. This one, like every time he like bangs somebody that's not Geppetta, it's the female that makes him. Uh, it's his dick grows.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so and he gets he she gets big breasts. She does. So and and she has this mishap where she'll like try to cast magic and she always accidentally makes her clothes disappear, which is kinda cool. <laughs> all right. Um but the movie was pretty shitty. Um I watched uh Cabin Fever, another Death Rattler DVD. Uh this is the bear Jew. Um maybe his first movie, his first directorial. Oh, he actually acts in it. Um I'd never seen this. It's pretty good. It's gooey. Uh, it's pretty gory. Um, my dog freaked out at the dog scenes. There's the, there's a there's a, uh, a German Shepherd that constantly harasses them. Um, once the dog gets a sniff of somebody with the flesh eating virus, it always it wants to just eat them. <laughs> and so the dog keeps running into their where their cabin is and trying to attack them, which is and then just runs away. And my dog, wow. time, my dog every time every time he'd see the fucking dog on the screen, so um, and then that, uh, that
2: fucking uh when you were talking about just an animal in a movie, I, w- I I just wanted to add one thing. In the Charge of the Light Brigade, um, I never looked, but at the at the end of the movie, you know where they usually put "No animals were injured during the making of this movie." Uh-huh. I'm sure that they they had something that said every horse in this movie was injured <laughs> because boy did they fucking roll, a fucking sh- I mean shitload of them and in great big.
3: Groups that always fucking scares me in a movie. Whenever you see the ugh. horse, like do that thing where the horse they stick their head down and roll forward, the guy flies off. Yes, how
2: they did that, and they would have like a hundred horses in a big bunch going, and a whole bunch of them would just do that all at once. Uh, how the fuck could people not be getting hurt and the horses? So you know, but that was nineteen sixty eight, so they didn't they didn't give a shit. Yeah, probably.
3: probably um, how many I watched uh, they honey badgered those horses. I watched critters which I hadn't seen since I was a lot younger. It used to come on TV all the time. This is really fucking good. <laughs> I love this movie. Um I mean it's not good, but it's it has it has a nostalgic place in my, it, with me and um it's it's a it's a fun movie. So it's you know. It's uh you know lots of lots of little creatures when they turn into big creatures and lots of blood and uh and,
2: uh, Ooh, is there anybody of any name in that movie? M. Emmett Walsh plays the oh, yeah.
3: sheriff in it, and that's about it. Um The lady, the mom was somebody. Let's see. She uh she might have been the mom in Cujo also.
2: Oh Cujo. God, I hated that movie. I didn't hate it, it's a good movie, but I it was just so scary. Yeah, D. Wallace.
3: Is that who it is? I don't know. Got to be yeah. Cujo. Oh, and the Howling. Yeah, she's in the Howling and ET. Okay. Okay. So yeah. D. Wallace. There you like... go. There you go. Uh, that is a name. And Scott Grimes. Um, Wasn't her nickname Superfoot? Superfoot. No, that was. <laughs> that's what's that guy's name? Bill Wallace. Um, and Billy Zane is in it briefly. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, you, you might not like what happens to him, and He's a snake. um. But it is is good. Um, I watched, uh, I don't remember who recommended this. Um, It it was, the name was thrown around when we did our out of prison episode a few Mm -hmm. months ago, Um, but this is a Japanese film called Unagi or The Eel. Um, Really brutal opening where a guy discovers his wife cheating on him and he just pulls out a knife, like pulls a knife in the kitchen, walks in, stabs the dude in the back. And the guy's like, ah, and he goes running off and he just takes his wife and he's holding her hair and she's looking up at him and he just fucking like stabs her like eight times and like blood spraying everywhere. And then, eight, then it's like eight years later after prison. So, so the most of the movie is him kind of like, he's going a little crazy. He talks to an eel. Um, and, um, he has a woman that re- greatly reminds him of his wife who first he discovers her av- having tried to commit suicide but then she kind of just comes back. He's uh, he's running a little barber shop at the at a waterfront, and uh, she wants to just stay there and help him. Um, mm-hmm. It's good. It's long, but it's good.
2: That's what she said. That's what she said. And <laughs>
3: then one I'd never seen, which the fucking songs from it have been stuck in my head ever since. But rock and roll. So High wait School. a minute
2: when you when you said um, like a few weeks ago that you were only going to watch movies that you have never seen.
3: Critters the, I cheated you,
2: on. You're pretty much lying. You were lying from the beginning.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, Critter, critters I didn't really remember because I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. But uh, <laughs> I had to watch it. I, I got the four when I, I bought it from Aaron, and I got the the four. It's critters one through four on, in a in a pack.
1: <laughs> nice.
3: <laughs> and I'm, I know, I know. I've seen two because I, I remembered a part. The bounty hunter... There's these two bounty hunters in it. Um, the critters are... He's going
2: to be regretting that.
3: The, the critters are krites. Are <laughs> they're called krites, and they were on a, a prison asteroid or something, but they escape and they go to Earth. They send two bounty hunters after them, and these bounty hunters have like these. They're like faceless, but they can look at like a TV or whatever, and, look, and they, they take the form of something else. And um, I'd seen one of them in one of the movies sees like a hot chick and grows big tits. And that didn't happen in this one, so it must
2: be the second one. <laughs> they ought to make one called The Passion of the Crites. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Have, have, uh, Put one of
2: those on Mel Gibson's cock and let it chew it off. <laughs> it. Uh, Speaking um, of fucking Jew Hunter. They should have got You know, what? A, what a, th- that would have been inspired casting if they would have had, instead of Christoph Waltz, playing the Jew Hunter and in Inglorious Bastards if they would have had <laughs>
3: Mel Gibson. Gibson. Oh my yes. god. The fucking carving is... Oh wait, spoiler alert. I'd
2: buy that for a dollar.
3: Um, But I watch Rock and Roll High School.
1: <laughs> right.
3: And the, yes, uh, PJ Souls in that movie makes me think of Demise. Uh, and yes, the song Rock and Roll High <laughs> School has been stuck in my fucking head for three days now. Um. Joey
2: Ramone, hot or not.
3: (laughs) God. She's like, I just love the way he eats pizza and he like, he like Uh, leans his head back and just like swat. I'm like, what? There's nothing sexy about even the way you're describing this. Uh, uh, uh,
1: uh.
2: He
3: is not an, he was was not an attractive man. Um, Not
2: like Johnny Ramone.
3: (laughs) God bless George Bush.
2: Uh, <laughs> your hatred for him is amazing <laughs> he
3: was garbage um <laughs> no, Shirley
2: no he was he was not a good person <laughs> no
3: um i can't believe uh, i've never that's... seen rock and roll high school it was a lot of i was i got i was getting a little ch- like choked up by like how much i was smiling by the end when whenever the what when the fucking building blew up i was like this rules." <laughs> <laughs> yeah! It was funny. Uh, spoiler alert: building blows up. Um, <laughs> uh, I watched the the island president. Uh, this is a documentary. No, was what? No. The island president. <laughs> it's a documentary about. I got to catch the guy's name. Muhammad Nasheed. Um, he was the first democratically elected president of the Maldives, which is a. a, a a chain of about 2,000 islands in the Indian Ocean. It is a nation.
2: So we went in and killed him and fucking put a dictator in it. <laughs> no, place. well, that was the, that was the thing. <laughs> because we're all about democracy. There
3: was a dictator there from 78 until 2008, the same guy. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy, uh, Muhammad Nasheed, was one of the guys that was you know pro-democracy and was imprisoned over 20 times, tortured a couple times, and eventually, like you know people were what 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 finally broke it the their, their broke their new, a news story broke about a 14 year old kid being tortured to death, and his mother wouldn't refuse to let him be buried until photographs of his body were shown, mm-hmm. and where he was like he had bruises and broken bones and everything. And um, that kind of was the impetus for it, and that was in two thousand three. And by two thousand eight, the the so many protests were going on that the guy the the guy in charge was he basically said, "Okay, we're going to have a democratic election." And this, you know, Nasheed uh, Nasheed won. So anyway, the the movie's beautiful. I love I love the story of him coming into you know his presidency. Um, but the main the main thing about it is him taking charge like of becoming like a a proponent for climate change because because of the rising temperatures and the rising sea levels a lot of the islands in this nation are sinking essentially Well
2: um, now see that to me sounds just like that you know it sounds like propaganda <laughs>
3: It is, totally.
2: Let's just say, I mean, you know, let's just say that it's about, it's 50-50 whether all that's happening or not.
3: I think probably it's true. But there's a lot of islands. Wh- 60-40? That, that have lost, like, you know, 10 or 20 feet of beach in the last few years alone. Um, and well. um, so he's he kind of took it upon himself. Uh, and he's joined up with other, like, island nation leaders Um, and it was kind of, the whole thing is building up to the, the environmental summit they had in Copenhagen in 2009. Um, it got, it it gets a little, I don't know, it gets a little lost eventually just because that's most of it. I'm like, okay, we're going up to like, and it, it just seemed to kind of repeat itself a few times. Um, still very, very well filmed. It had Radiohead on the soundtrack, which is pretty cool um then and this i mean the maldives are freaking beautiful like the, it's a bunch of atolls and stuff um atolls are like a ring of coral that basically form an island mm-hmm. um it's a it's a really interesting looking area um but uh apparently he was forced out of his presidency in two, or he resigned in 2012 and he claims it was pretty much at gunpoint um by people that were still
2: Representing an American oil company.
3: Representing, yes, <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably. Um, that shouldn't be so negative,
3: but you know, it's 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 an interesting watch. Um, let's see. Uh, I that, am
2: overwhelmed by the amount of movies you have I watched. Know. I'm so used to fucking, you know, you like, oh, what's this? <laughs>
3: Uh, and then I watched one in the chamber last night on the way home from work. I was like, you know what? I got the day off tomorrow. I'm going to go fucking buy some ice cream and rent red box. So I rented one in the chamber with Dolph Lundgren and Cuba Gooding jr. And I right. bought some, uh, I bought some triple fudge brownie ice cream and some espresso ice cream. Mm. So I had ice cream and watched, uh, well, I started it, but then I fucking passed out
2: <laughs> <laughs> laying there with your big belly sticking
3: out. <laughs> totally. um, uh, so I finished it this morning, and it's it's pretty good. I mean, it got it has like a four point five on IMDb, but
2: did um, Dolph direct it? Do you know? I
3: I don't. I do not know. Um, it. He is a. He's they're both. Well, him and Cuba Gooding Jr. are both assassins. They don't work together. Um, it's a no. The guy. A guy named William Kaufman directed it. Mm. Um, who also directed Sinners and Saints, which I saw the preview for, which didn't look terrible. Mm. Um, so, uh, this one is, uh, two assassins. One, you know, the movie starts with Cuba Gooding Jr. He's been, it's basically two Russian gangs that are trying to kill each other's leader and they hire this independent assassin to do it. Um, and he doesn't quite get the job done. He misses the, he misses the main guy he's supposed to get. So then as retaliation, the group hires, they call Dolph, whose, whose nickname is the wolf. And, it's kind of funny because he's like he tells somebody at one point, please don't please don't call me that. It's so cliche <laughs> like he hates his nickname. Um, uh, yeah, he wears these fucking tight gray pants and these like white uh, loafers and a Hawaiian shirt and a fedora the whole movie. <laughs> it's hilarious. Nice. Um, it's good. He's awesome in it. Cuba Gooding Jr. is pretty good. He's uh, just kind of quiet and. uh he he uses a sniper rifle the most of the time. The fifty caliber rifle he uses is pretty crazy. At one point, like guys are just flying back away from the window. Um, but yeah, worth watching. It's a good rental. It was a bug. I, buck. I would
2: feel much better if Dolph, if I knew Dolph Lundgren had a an Oscar in his uh, past <laughs> instead of Cuba, Cuba Gooding Cuba. Jr. Um, Cuba, I mean, there's I some like there's him. some
3: dumb stuff in it, but you know, whatever. My I liked mother- it. Um, and but and there's a couple face-offs between the two, which were pretty cool. So, and, and Dolph uses grenades at one point, which is pretty awesome. Um, but and he had some really Dolph had some really bad looking tattoos. He, he, you see his um, back at one point, and he's got it's like uh, Marx Stalin. He's he's Russian. Yeah. it's like Marx Stalin and somebody else. Like in in but it looks like somebody fucking drew it on with a sharpie. <laughs> it's right, so terrible.
2: Nice. It didn't um. Speaking of tattoos,
3: oh yes, I got some new new ink this past week. I got some flying saucers added to my arm. The one on the back of my arm is very crusty and, sto- and sore still. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh
2: God. Is it does it smell or anything? <laughs> no, it's starting to stink a little bit.
1: I can't yeah. get my
3: nose back there. I can't tell. No. Uh, <laughs> I can hardly even see it. I'm like I'm like I'm standing in the mirror with my, my my fat ass standing in the mirror with my shirt off, my arm up in the air, trying to like put ointment on the back of my arm. It's really awkward looking. Uh um <laughs> 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 I'm going to get some coffee ice cream when we take a break. Uh, So, yeah, that's it. Um, Why don't we take a break and come back? And let's just go in chronological order. We'll do Miley McGuire's first. Sound good?
1: Okay. We'll be right back.
4: While the global media is focusing on the aftermath of the global financial crisis debating on whether global warming is scientifically sound or merely a political stunt, or reporting on citizens around the world toppling cruel dictatorships, I want to know why they're not focusing on the big issues. Is chess a better label than Sun? Did Richard Thompson or Britney Spears do a better version of whoops, I did it again? Is Lou Reed or Van Morrison a grumpier old man? Do you think you two are a crap band? Do these issues matter in your life? They matter in mine. That's why I host Love That Album, a podcast based around music minutia. Join me, Morris Bristinsky, as every fortnight myself and a guest host will dissect a favourite album right down to its bare bones and discuss some of the latest music news. You can find the podcast either on the blog site, lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or at lovethatalbum.podbean, that's dot com. Or just type in Love That Album, or one word, into iTunes. If your heart pumps to the beat of a Keith Moon drum fill, then I'd recommend you see a cardiologist. Failing that, you probably care about music passionately, in which case, join me for Love That Album. And you won't even have to drive your car into a swimming pool.
0: Come all you young fellers, young and so fine, seek not your fortunes in the dark, dreary minds It'll form as a habit and seep in your soul till a stream of your blood runs as black as the cold. It's dark as a dungeon Damp as the view Dangerous double Pleasures are few Where the rain never falls The sun never shines It's dark as a dungeon Way down in the mine
3: I Had to leave that one going, sorry. All right, so our first review of Zeday, Molly Maguire's from 1970. Uh, this is starring Sean Connery, Sean Connery uh, Richard Harris, Samantha Egger, uh, directed by Martin Ritt. Uh, let's
1: see.
0: Okay, this
3: is not too bad. Life, life is rough in the coal mines of 1876 Pennsylvania. A secret group of Irish immigrant miners known as the Molly Maguires fight against the cruelty of the mining company with sabotage and murder. A detective, also an Irish immigrant, is hired to infiltrate the group and report on its members. But on which side do his sympathies lie?
2: Which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on? Um, let me tell you something, people. This is based on a true story yeah. me. Um... All righty. Let's get right down to this review the of the Molly Maguires. Um, first of all, as a young sprig, I was a large Sean Connery fan. And I sought out all movies that Sean Connery was in. Um, I liked Sean Connery. I have a coffee table book. Uh, about Sean Connery and all his movies. And so uh, when the VHS craze uh, hit and we got those big um, catalogs, I started getting Sean Connery movies. I uh, love Sean Connery. Uh, if Sean Connery – well, let me tell you something. I was going to say as deep as Johnny Cash's voice is when he says, We're the rage for Falls. <laughs> Where the he, rain.
0: his
2: his goddamn fucking nuts must have been like two gore <laughs> like cantaloupes in a fucking uh <clears throat> pair of pantyhose <laughs> That's a, you know so anyway and sean connery i'm sure his is probably was too but okay sean connery he's up in uh pennsylvania up around uh, of the Scranton area. And every time I kept reading that, uh, um, I kept thinking about The Office. And Michael um, – I can't remember what the fuck his name is now. Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. So anyway, and Dwight Schrute. So this movie takes place uh, – it revolves around – both these movies have a lot in common. Yes, just taking place at different times. 1876. Um, this the, the whole Molly Maguire's thing actually kind of went down um, during and around the time of the American Civil War, and just uh, you know maybe ten, fifteen years after um, the coal companies, you know, pretty much run everything. I mean as far as the, the, the you know coal mines go, uh, you have the company store, uh, which is owned by the, the coal company. They s- paid you in company script instead of uh, American dollars. So the only place that you could spend the company script was in the company store, which allowed them to set the prices at whatever they wanted. When you worked for them, um, you – Basically, had to pay by all the things that you would need to do the job mm-hmm. uh, at the company store. So, if you needed a pick to, uh, you know, hammer the coal out of the wall, you would have to buy the pick at the company store and/or rent it and pay for it. Uh, any kind of dynamite, any kind of black powder, fuses, clothes. The hard hat with the light, which at, the, at that time they didn't have the hard hat, but they had the hat with the the light on it was a um like almost like a little candle thing up on your hat um, and it was pretty pretty horrible grueling work, and things didn 't change a lot from from this movie to mate one um, <laughs> you know when you think about it yeah uh, I mean,
3: fifty years difference, and the only thing that the only thing you really notice is probably that coal mining sucked a little worse in 1870s than it
1: did in the 1920s. Yeah. Um,
2: very brutal work, very hard work. Um, the, um, they didn't go into it as much. They did with the old, there was an old man uh, when Richard Harris, uh, when he comes into town, he's, he's looking for uh, work. And uh, in this town, when an outsider comes in, um, when he comes in at first, he heads towards the local pub, and when he walks in, it's one—it's almost like in the old western where you know the the saloon, everybody's dancing. Every, it's just really loud. Everybody's making all this noise, and there's a <laughs> like somebody's ever playing the Muppet Show music on uh, on the fucking piano, really loud. Really, and then as soon as a, a stranger walks in that nobody knows, everything kind of.
3: Stops. You hear the record scratch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's sort of the reception that he gets. But what that it, what that kind of tells you is uh, it sets the tone for um, what's going on in this town and in this area. And at the time, um, it wasn't as much just because he was a stranger um, as it was that there's some real friction going on uh, in this town. Uh, between the workers and the basically the company, um, and you don't know what's going on, um, and they the, the the guys in the pub uh, decide that they're because Richard Harris he sticks out like a sore thumb. These guys are you know blue collar guys, hard workers. They for the most part still have their work clothes on, and and they all know each other. It's a small little bar, mm-hmm. and he kind of sticks out because he's got a suit on. And he kind of looks like a doofus, you know, kind of a douche, because uh, he's walking around. Hold, he's holding his beer with like both hands and walking around, like looking <laughs> yeah, while they're playing cards. Shit, he's
3: acting yeah, like think, he's a little kid drinking a giant beer. Like,
2: yeah, a little, a little, a little beer. <laughs> and there's a, there's, there's and we all know
3: real... we we all know Richard Harris didn't have a problem drinking. Oh so. no, 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 no.
2: He's like, what's this beer shit? <laughs> I need something that's is, like.
3: In this fucking glass, that's what he was hoping for.
2: <laughs> Shit. Um, he has a he. He and Connery both sport um, pretty impressive caterpillars on their lips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I know for a fact that Connery is wearing a wig. I thought at one point that Richard Harris Harris, um, the guys test him because uh, they're like, okay, hey, go over and uh, he Connery gives the guy a look like you know just. Go over there, you know, and um, they they pick a fight with him. Um, he he holds his own, and I think you know to to show for himself, he knows that if, you know he has to not take any shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, he gets in a brawl with this kind of a uh, um, rugged-looking one of the bigger guys, and um, the 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 pigs come in <laughs> and uh, and give him a, a nice. Um, I guess it be. It wasn't a blackjack. It's more like just like a billy club. Yeah, just a club. There's a little short thing. Uh, and they, they, um, they crack him over the head, a horse cock. And <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that's
3: funny. I was just thinking about that movie. movie? When was, uh, that's funny that you said that. The horse cock movie.
2: <laughs> what was the horse cock movie?
3: Um, the, um, the, movie the, the, the Jack, Jack Nicholson one. Huh? The Jack Nicholson one where he's like... About oh, I let horse, horse co- cock
2: upside <laughs> Last detail. I thought you were talking about the fucking one I saw the other day where the woman was sucking the horse
3: Uh, No, no.
2: Uh, and you know when, when you're saying that, I have my dick out the leg of my underwear and I'm
1: scratching it.
2: <laughs> we should get cameras and do this show live. Um, well, not live. Whatever. Whatever you call it. Not me. Just another...
3: Yes. Yeah, so, okay. okay.
2: Kind of, kind of, racked my left nut—the one with the the gross on it. Anyway, <laughs> you're pulling apart, so, dude. The, I know the, the, Whatever. Um, the, the the part where I thought Richard Harris looked like he might have a wig on mm-hmm. is um, he? They show him at the police station, and he's putting his face like in some water or something to wash the blood off his face. Where he's bent over, and the part doesn't look like a real part. It looks like a looks like wig hair, but I don't think he wore a wig because he always had kind of ugly hair anyway. Um, <laughs> so anyway, getting past all that, uh, Connery looks pretty good without with, with with his little you know with his toupee you know and Um It shows right off the bat that Connery's kind of the ringleader because when they when Harris walks in the bar, you know everybody's kind of looking at him, uh, you know, for what they should do. Um, so anyway, they. Kind of set up uh, the the whole point of the thing is there's a a um, secret society called the Molly Maguires. Of course, that's the name of the movie. And in some ways, it's especially when I was a kid and I was looking for Sean Connery movies. I don't think that the title of the movie does does it any favors. Not here. Not here because, well, I mean, but I, I don't. Uh, if you if you knew about history, of course, yeah, then you right, know right, what right. they're talking about. But I had no idea what it was about. I was like, what the fuck is this about? Molly Maguires. You know, I was like, God, you know, I don't know. So anyway, um, there's a secret society called the Molly Maguires. And then there's, there's a, um, a just, a, a, I guess it would be considered almost like a lodge or a social club. Called the was it was it the friends of Hibernia
3: Hibernia hi, yeah, something like that Hibernia yep. yeah yeah but yeah. The,
2: but that that's like a legal uh, club that all these Irish people belong to right, um, right. and there's the the the, the greater majority <laughs> like the water
3: buffaloes in, uh, yeah, flin, yeah, in Flintstones.
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ball. <football. laughs> so Sean Connery would be the <laughs> grand poo um but um they. The in, in at this time is like one of those deals where if you watch like Gangs of New York, mm-hmm. uh, um, which took place sort of around the same time, um, the Irish were what, like, what almost like what we right now or a lot of people that are real xenophobes uh, think about, like, m- Mexicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they came over from the Irish famine and there was just a shitload of them. And all of a sudden they came over and all the natives, which weren't natives, they were just, you know, the uh, Europeans.
3: <laughs> they were here a little earlier. They
2: <laughs> <laughs> we were here a little earlier. And they were all pissed off. Oh, this fucking Irish! They're coming over, taking our jobs.
1: Fucking bloody Irish!
2: And like Daniel Day Lewis said in Gangs of New York, you know, you and your Holy Roman Popery, because you know everybody over here was you know Quaker. Or they came over; they were Quakers, Pilgrims, and Protestants. And then all of a sudden, all these uh, Catholics were coming over who were Irish. I'm going to watch and that so,
3: movie again.
1: <laughs> that's a good movie,
2: um, and the book's pretty good too. Um, they, they, but they, they all kind of stick together, and so they're all getting the shit jobs, and they're all pretty much being exploited by the man. Um, so they, they, they're kind of bonding together, and um, they are – the the Molly Maguires, which is this, this small secret society kind of a, a group that I, – I I hate to use the term terrorist – but you know there were the the well, company the yeah i mean company. that's
3: that's kind of what they're i mean r- terrorist now has a negative connotation, and I mean but
2: one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter
3: right well i mean and, th- and that's that's what they were doing they were terrorizing the coal company's property and yeah and stuff like that to disrupt the flow of their business,
2: yeah, and trying to in in reality um this was a a, um, a union fight. It was much like the movie mate one, which we're going to, um, review Mm -hmm. coming up in the same show, this one, this show, Um, (laughs) um, there was a union fight. Um, the coal company of course is exploiting the fucking shit out of everybody. They own you lock stock and barrel. They own the homes you live in. They own your clothes on your back. They own the food that you buy. Uh, and, um, when they're done with you, you know, if you got the the the, the um, working conditions were awful, they they show this several times where the the little kids are even working in the mines. Oh they yeah, certain jobs for them like just picking out certain pieces of coal or whatever.
3: That fucking job that was. The, the, now there's you see you see some young people working. In the mines, a little bit in in Matewan, but this one, these fucking kids are like nine years old, yeah. And that's the the job that they have. I don't. I, I guess they were. I don't know what they were doing exactly, but basically, there's like a a waterfall or coal fall, if you will. Like, you know, the coal's just flowing by in this trough, and these kids just like sit right over, like on a bench or something, over this flowing like river of coal, and like they're like running their feet on it. And I think
2: what they do is that they are they're, they're, they're kind of like sifting through and picking out uh um, bad
3: pieces or something.
2: Uh pieces that weren't coal, like you know, oh, okay, like
3: a rock or something.
2: Rock or or, or uh, you know, something that wouldn't burn and they don't want it to get mixed in. Cuz Harris at one point hurts his hand and then since he can't do a lot of the regular work, he sits there with the kids doing the same thing cuz if you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you uh, and I, you know, uh, everybody knows that on this show that i live in west virginia been in west virginia all my life and up until my dad's generation everybody in my family on both sides were coal miners so we lived through and went through we we, i mean my family lived and to an extent me because when i was a little kid in the early 70s i remember a lot of this shit going on um and you know my uncles and and uh Grandpas and everything sitting around talking about this shit um, you th- i mean it's when you said we were going to review these movies and you said that it might get a little political <laughs> uh, this This is what a lot of people today that are fucking morons. That say, you know, oh, we got the government getting involved in everything, and all they do is a uh, fucking regulate, 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 yeah, yeah, and unions all suck, and all they do is cost that that unions make everything cost so much, so they have to send the job somewhere else, and blah 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 blah. blah. Well, we had a non-union uh, mine that was just up the road from where I live a couple years ago. Uh, owned by Massey Energy, which was – it was a national story where I think it was like 13 miners were buried alive, and Mm -hmm. they were trying to get them out uh, before they all died, and it was a non-union mine, and it's come out uh, after the fact that um, the guy – Whose name was actual last name is brought up in Matewan, uh, Blankenship, Don Blankenship. Uh, not everybody named Blankenship that lives in West Virginia or lives in Kentucky is an asshole, but this guy was a <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Uh, his thing, his motto was just run coal. And when the safety regulations and shit, when the, when the coal dust was getting too thick, which can explode, just run coal. Don't worry about it. You know we can, And his, their philosophy was just to make as much money as they could. If somebody gets killed, they can just replace them. Well, yeah. guess what? Uh, he's a piece of shit. Um, out of all those miners, um, I'll never forget when we were sitting at work and we heard that one miner was found dead and all the rest of them were saved. And then probably 10 minutes later, the report was wrong. All of them were dead but one. Oh, Jesus. And it was awful. It was horrible. And living in this area and living in Kentucky, because Sammy knows a lot about this shit, too, because he lives in Kentucky. If you watch uh, – uh, a great companion piece for both of these movies is Harlan County, USA, uh, the documentary. I need to see um, that. It's awesome. Um, the, uh, and you'll see – uh, this one place uh where this this one coal mine disaster took place uh in its i mean i could th- i literally throw a rock and you know my my cousin worked in that mine and it 's right over the hill from where I live right now um, but th- these guys were fighting for I mean, you had to fight for everything. They weren't going to give you anything. And that's the way a lot of these big corporations want things to go back to today in the United States. And that's why they well, said I
3: mean, that's how that when 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 these corporations send our, you know, you right. know, export our labor that's exactly what's fucking going on in Indonesia and fucking Vietnam and all that stuff. in these sweatshops and stuff like people, you know, even like textile places, these people getting fucking like black lung from, uh, from having to sit there in these, in this dust created by all the fucking Nike shoes and shit they're making for us.
2: My, um, my, uh, grandpa um, had black lung. A great majority of the people in my family had, my grandma lived off the money after my grandpa died. She got, uh, she got money uh, for bl- for him having black lung for the rest of her life. Um- I mean, shit. I w- I work
3: for a company that's right in the middle of this with the uh, you know dealing with Foxconn. Foxconn, mm-hmm. the you know the probably the largest producer of electronic shit on earth, and you know, and Apple. Apple's right there in the middle of it, just with. The people all, that it's live there. And, yeah. I mean, that's
2: all it is. What, uh, and I've said this. This is uh, you know a line that I use quite a bit. Is they outlawed slavery in the United States after the Civil War, and the Ameri- the, the uh, American dream, which is just nothing for some people is nothing but greed. They outlawed slavery after the Civil War. So what did America do? We exported it to other countries. <laughs> We uh, they basically have slave labor when you're only paying someone five cents a fucking day or whatever like that and in your you know it's it's just disgusting uh, and that's a common thread uh, these days is um, you know what's and, and I'm not saying that all unions are good because I mean they 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 demonize you know the collective bargaining in the unions because. The only thing on the left that has the same, and it doesn't even have the same, but has even close to the money to compete with like Charles and David Mm Koch and, uh, you know, um, Duke Energy and all this shit like that is Massey Energy, Duke Energy is the uh, organized labor. And When they say, well, like, you know, well, look, the mafia was involved in organized labor and all this stuff. The only reason the mafia ever got involved in organized labor is
3: because there was money to be had.
2: (laughs) Well, that – I mean that, but the the way they got their foot in the door was is that these companies would hire Pinkertons and Baldwin Phelps to be their basically – uh, almost like Blackwater, the government uses blackwater they 're mm-hmm, mercenaries mm-hmm. to go in, and if you went on strike, these guys would come in with machine guns and guns and shoot your ass and they 'd send all these guys in to beat the fuck out of you so Jimmy Hoffett and these guys said, "Hey, you know well, we need to have somebody on our side and he hired the, the, he got in with the mafia and said well we 'll give you these loans to start these casinos and shit if you have some of your thugs come down and and fight their thugs so anyway. That's no excuse. I mean, it sucks, but still, that's how you got a. a uh, they have to pay you overtime after so many hours. Uh, they have to pay you, uh, you know, minimum wage, no child labor or the child labor laws, safety laws, all that shit, and they want to get rid of all that shit, you know. So anyway, but back to the movie. What you find out early, and this isn't giving anything away because this is just the basis of the movie from the very beginning. Is that Richard Harris is not what he appears to be? Right. We can say that, right?
3: I think so. I mean, well, it said in the synopsis.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he is a detective. He works for the Pinkertons, and um, and this is both his character and Sean Connery's character, and the events that happen in the movie actually happen. Um, he is sent to get in with them and to um. Find out what's going on with the Molly Maguires, and uh, they want to they want to get the Molly Maguires, and you know basically get them for the crimes that they're doing. Now, where fiction and reality blur is in the movie, there are the Molly Maguires, mm-hmm. and they are doing all this shit. In reality. And this is – it's contested, but for the most part, a lot of the people say there were no Molly Maguires. There were Molly Maguires in Ireland a long time ago, but there were no Molly Maguires here. The, the coal company basically came up with this Molly Maguires thing and said, there are these terrorists, and we have to, we have to put a stop to them. They're anarchists. So, anybody labeled that anybody, no matter what, that they labeled a Molly Maguire was put on like a fucking hit list. And they sought them out. Uh, And for the most part, that's how they broke up this union and everything. Um, This also kind of is a situation that occurs in the other movie, which we'll go into later. Right. Um, But these detectives that come, or quote unquote detectives, you know, Pinkertons uh, in this movie, they are not the law. But they act like they are the law. And um, they come in, and the coal company, you know, is in cahoots with the real law, the cops in the movie. And um, in the real story, they the police who are owned by the coal company arrest these guys. Um the prosecutors were appointed by the coal company. Mm-hmm. And they said that the only thing that 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 this the actual government, the city or whatever, um supplied were the nooses. But I mean it was just it was like a railroad job. They 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 fuck these guys, and um you see they try well what well, like what we were saying about when they these guys their methods were at first you know they would blow up the shaft, so it would just be you know closed in uh and it would cost the coal company so many so much money because they'd have to start all over again, yeah, go yeah, do, yeah. fucking dig it out, and everything uh doing stuff like that, and then. The the cops actually in the movie get are the ones that get physical and then they're like, Well, we'll show those fucking potato heads or whatever, you know. So they go and they, they that's how they test. it's almost like a mafia thing in the movie where they put uh if it's a new guy, they put him to the test and they say, Well, you gotta go and beat up this cop or you gotta go and kill this guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Richard Harris has to make his bones so that they'll trust him. And um it's 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 a pretty good plot, um, and it's it's educational. When I was a kid, I I kind of understood it, but I kept thinking, you know, I wanted, I thought Sean Connery uh, of him as a hero, uh, in all of the movies like James Bond and all this that and everything. And then in this movie, I was like, well, you know, he's kind of the, he's kind of a good guy, but these guys are the cops. <laughs> and these guys are doing stuff like they're 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 beating up people and they're blowing up the coal mines what you know and they're trying to put so is Sean Connery a bad guy and and so anyway it's basically Richard Harris trying to um, get shit on these guys and there's some layers there of, of character development because Richard Harris basically is a guy that Uh, he's motivated by money to an extent, but status more than
3: Yeah. I mean he said there's a there's a good line in it where he says like he tells the cop, he's like, I'm tired of looking up, I want to look down. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And and so that says a lot about him where these guys are they're they're you know, the miners are family men, they have kids and everything, and they're trying to make a living off of this and they know that it's, it's almost like a dead end life because even the younger ones, the guys like, you know, why not? And Sean Conner even says the same thing. Like, why not do this? You know, make your mark, uh, leave something because when you worked in the coal mines, if you watched, uh, even the movie, coal miners, daughter, leave on helm plays Loretta Lynn's father. And he's got like black lung, uh, uh so bad. That even as he—he's not even an old man. At, at the time when she first fucking got married, I mean, hell, she was only like thirteen or fourteen years old, and so he was probably in his mid thirties, maybe forty, right. and he couldn't hardly do anything. He's like, <clears throat> you know, he—he—it's almost like emphysema or something. You know, you can't hardly breathe, and um, you have that coal dust in your in your lungs. So they—they're trying. They—they want a better way of life. And um, they want. Um, I don't see in those guys. Um, they they don't want to be rich. They don't want. They're not sitting there talking about. I want to look. I, I want to be the one looking down on people. Like I and, and we. You know, I hate to say this, but I have friends now that they're good friends of mine. I like them. You know, we joke around. We have a good time and everything. But they the the song, the classic song, and it was in uh, uh the movie Harlan County USA was Which Side Are You On? And their attitude is even in other jobs, the job I have now in other jobs that I've had, there's certain people that are ambitious to the point that um I call them company men. Mm-hmm. And and I still say that even you know you know uh, I don't work at a union place or anything like that but um, there are people that will not question uh, the bosses even if the bosses are doing something wrong yeah uh, they are bootlickers and ass kissers <laughs> and you know and yeah. and it's it's weird I don't know uh, because I think it's because my family like I said have always been. Uh, friends of labor, or you know, I was in—I uh, was actually a Teamster at one time. Uh, with one job ahead, which was working at a grocery store. <laughs> uh, they, they had a union there, and you, at Kroger's, and you had to—you had to be uh, join the union, and they were the Teamsters. So I was actually a Teamster. My dad was a Teamster, he was a truck driver for thirty some plus years. Uh, the rest of them were UMWA with coal mines and stuff like that. Um, so I look at it from that point of view. And then I have some friends that, if their dad worked in a union thing in, in a union shop, they they would they sit there and tell me stories. All oh, those guys that are in the they're so fucking lazy, and you know, and uh, they had to do this and they had to do that, and they so. And, and you're just like, okay, I see what you are. And they because that's the way they're raised, that's how they are. Yeah. And it kind of makes – I want to take him out and hit him over the head and put a stick of dynamite up their ass <laughs> because, <laughs> listen, you it, – it's, it's like the people that support the richest 1% in the country.
3: When they'll never be anywhere close to that.
2: Listen, you're one of us. What the <laughs> yeah. fuck are you voting this way for, you stupid fuck? We went, we, we've come all this way as far as labor goes, as far as the worker goes to get safety laws and, and environmental laws and shit like this. If we go back to the way it was there, you know,
3: it'd be fucking just a wasteland, you know, all, all the mountains in mess Virginia, would be you'd, they'd cut the fucking tops off, dump the top into the Valley right next to it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but this movie, um, it's, you I, I i i harris has a love interest yeah and that's where you hear a lot of the stuff when he's alone with her it's it's she's there of course you have to have a love interest anyway and i'm surprised i'm really surprised that this movie didn't go this way where he comes into town and he falls in love with this girl and connery likes the girl too <laughs> I, be something like that. But Connery's a family man and everything. He is attached to uh the girl that okay, Harris meets the girl because he's staying she's renting out a room to him mm-hmm. at, at house. And her dad has black lung and and back then, I mean, you know, God in the eighteen seventies, you don't you didn't get any kind of uh, government assistance or anything if you had black lung. You were just fucked. Yeah. You know, and he was fucked. Um and um you hear a lot uh if you get a lot of character development with harris talking to the girl she wants to get out of there she's 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 stuck in this small little town she's she's been around these miners all her life she's going to be a miner's wife probably she's going to be you know have to live through that harris wants to be more than what he was he wants like he said to look down he's very ambitious connery on the other hand and the father uh are close um uh, I think he's almost like a father figure to Connery. And at one point I was like, Wait a minute, is that girl Connery's sister? And this is his dad. No. But it wasn't. Because uh when there's a point where they come to I think the bar or the mine and they come and get Sean Connery and and because the old man is in a bad way. And that's when I started thinking to myself, Wait a minute, is that his dad? But it was it was just like a father figure. But you, you, you found out a lot about Connery's character and how he thinks, because all you knew a, up to that point was he's, he's a, a you know, blue-collar guy, hard-ass guy, um, um, and you know, he's, he's in with, you know, the labor or whatever. But with the, the old man, you know him talking to the old man and talking about the old man and him saying, you know, he, he went out, he didn't even make a whimper, he didn't even make a sound. And he just he he the old man worked the job, uh basically worked himself to death. In reality he did, and he got sick and everything. And um he didn't stand up for himself. He didn't stand up for anything. Even in death he didn't make any noise where or... and Sean Connery's thing was, okay, we're gonna get fucked. We're getting fucked anyway, and like the one young guy in the Molly Maguire says, you know, who gives a shit? You know, we might as well fucking shoot these fuckers, or we might as well – it's just like we might as well go out with a bang. We're going to die anyway. Mm -hmm. We're going to die a horrible death where you can't breathe, or or you're going to get killed in a cave-in down there uh, because the safety conditions are so shitty. So we might as well just fucking fight and go down swinging and that's the kind of guy Sean Connery was. Yeah. So and he actually gets to the point and it it I would I mean I know it's a true story and it probably took seem it probably took place over a lot longer period because they only have a certain amount like 2 hours in the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: where Richard Harris gets in with them they have to move the story along so he has to get in with them pretty quick and they're very suspicious at first. But like I said then they have him he tells Connery why, what, why he was kind of on the lam and on the run, why he chose to come to that town and take this shitty job. And um, it's sort of a believable story. Uh, but then they have him do some things, like I said, make his bones. So I think that gets him in gets him in there and they trust him. Right. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there's an inevitable conclusion. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, The one that the and uh, you know not giving away or don't want to give away the ending or whatever, but there's an inevitable. There is a a a a reveal Mm -hmm. which we know it's not a reveal for us because you know throughout the movie, but it's a reveal to the other characters about Richard Harrison, who and what he is, and then uh, there is an inevitable which they had to have the inevitable. Conversation or meeting between Harris and Connery after that reveal, right? Right, be good.
3: Um, the, um, another another thing, I th- that's probably my favorite part of this is, and honestly, I wish they, I wish in, the the balance of the movie was off for me. I wish it was less about Harris and uh, uh, what's her face, um, what was her name in the movie, Samantha Eggers character mary or something like that um i wish uh, it was less about them and more like him and connery becoming
2: it would have been more of richard harris fucking her <laughs> yeah yeah um in the cold like with cold his hands are all black and he's she's got black hand
3: <laughs> <laughs> she has a black black hand print right over her
2: cooch. <laughs> Just Serious. i gotta bring it back down or back up to our level <laughs>
3: um but what i like the a common thread between the two of them is the um the religion playing a part in how the story kind of unfolds um in this one you have the kind of you have uh, the catholic church taking the side against the molly maguires there like, there's a sermon in particular where a guy's preaching against violence which <laughs> makes sense at first but then he's like you know Church condemning all secret societies and basically basically siding with the coal company is what Except it. Except ones
2: that uh, molest children.
3: Right, right. That violence is okay. Well, that's love. That's not violence. Uh-huh, yeah. Um. But the um some of the coal mine stuff in it was uh, pretty cool. I love I love the opening sequence when you first see them doing their thing. Um. When the when the even when the movie first opens, you get this. It's like very quiet uh, you see a sunny sky and then it, it slowly pans over and you get that, that tall building where the coal flows through like the river I was talking about mm-hmm. and it was weird at first it looked like it was like placed in frame like not even filmed like it looks like it was a picture in, mm-hmm. superimposed and that's when the noise starts it almost looks like it I think it might have been a conscious decision to do film it this way because it all of a sudden like you're, the, the sunny sky and the sound the quiet sound is completely interrupted by this big, ugly building with Uh,
2: rocks flowing into it. I I literally have been... Okay, now around here, uh, it's not as much as what it used to be because a lot of the mines have shut down. And that's another thing. When people, There's signs up all over the place that say... Or not all over the place. I haven't seen as many as I thought, but I've seen them that say, Stop Obama's War on Coal. And I'm like, what the fuck are (laughs) they talking about? But anyway, um, um, you would see... I mean, it was nothing back in, like I said, the seventies when I was a kid to see the guys. If we came down to my grandma's side now up where I live, where I was actually born and lived up around, uh, it's the mid Ohio Valley. Uh, you didn't see as much of it up there as around here and further down South, uh, where you'd say be in a store and here'd be some guy coming in just fucking, you know, with his work clothes on the boots and all that, the, the hard hat and everything. Um, But, um, it, the, the, I have been, actually went to one job I had after I got out of college was with this welding company and we would sell these welding rods and go to these coal mines. And the one, the girl said, um, when she, her and Connery were sitting up on a hill and she said, you know, I, I, I like to come up here, uh, everything's green and you know the forest and everything because when you got down to the town because the town was the coal tipple where everything's coming out is right down there by the town and the train tracks so the trains can come up and get the coal and take it right everything is black Mm. the houses would be just covered with fucking black soot uh black shit everywhere uh at one time pittsburgh was considered the dirtiest city like in the fucking United States it was so everything was just black because those steel mills everything burning that coal coal mines everywhere and it, it, it's just it was just awful yeah. um so you get that um everything in the movie the way it's shot uh everybody that lives in the town pretty much is wearing the same you know kind of wool clothes Every, everything's dull looking the houses the clothing the the Naive, like when they they have a they have a, a big um, uh, football game. Basically, it's like rugby, um, and it's like at a picnic. So you have these two <laughs> teams playing each other, and it was hard at one time to, to tell who was on each other's team because the one the, the one I think the the guys the, and Connery's team had like green wool sweaters on. And the other guys maybe had like gray, but everything was just that dingy, that
3: dingy color,
2: dull ass looking color. It's funny. Ugh. It
3: says it says uh, on the on the on uh, the Wikipedia says yeah. the the movie was filmed in Eckley, Pennsylvania, in '69. Mm-hmm. The town was so unchanged from its 1870s appearance that the only major alteration needed for filming was to remove television antennas and install underground electric wiring. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah, and and that's the same I mean well, we'll talk about the other movie later. Okay. But, but the
3: um, um but I I love the I love the way it's introduced with uh where it shows you know, the last guys out of the mine, they've set their dynamite and everything, but there's a really cool effect as the men are led backwards out of on, on like the, there's they they drag the guys out like six or eight at a time on this sled mm-hmm. and they all have this little torch on their hat. Um, and you see them as they, as they, as they disappear into the darkness, but you still see the torches. I thought, I thought it looked really nice, but, um,
2: well, you know, back in the day they would, they would put a fuck and you've seen, I've seen it in, uh, cartoons and stuff too. They would put a canary in the fucking coal mine. Yeah. And if the fucking gas, you know, if the canary dropped dead, it's like, get the, let's get the fuck out of here. But those, one thing that I always think is amazing and a lot of people, I don't know, some people don't know it or where, but those, um, when they're when they're taking the guys on the carts in and out of the mine, mm-hmm. well, now of course it's almost like a um, uh, it's they like an electrified track or whatever. Um, my my the guy I work with right now, he worked in the coal mines for I don't know you know twenty some years or whatever. Um, he said, you know, you get on that that cart thing like and it, it, the one in Molly Maguire's is is pulled by probably like mules yeah. uh, on a, a, a rope and you know it's way down in there. Um, he said, I'd go to work and, you know, go in and put all my clothes on and shit. We'd all go and get on a thing and say there was, uh, I don't know, 20 of them get on this thing. And it would go down underground. He said, I'd just go to sleep. <laughs> They'd ride that thing for an hour or an hour and a half. Mm. It would go underground for miles, miles and miles and miles. It's not like you're just going right down there. You're underground. It's like almost like if you got on – uh, you know fucking you did carry and you rode trip to raleigh or something like that you know? <laughs> yeah yeah but you're underground i mean talk about claustrophobia Oof, that's
3: scary. it gives me a cold chill thinking about it it's just scary. i do I
2: remember my uncle steve talking about uh they you know shooting rats and shit and uh you know when you were down in the mine, my dad would say you know um, they had these um metal like lunchbox things they called them lunch buckets and you would put your food in there and um uh, I can't remember. They, they would hang them up on, on, like, these hooks when they got down underground. He said the fucking rats down there, they're they're smart, and if you tied the thing a certain way or put something around it or tied it so that you – to to hold it shut, you had to. But he said those rats would get up there, and they would fucking open them up. They would figure out huh. a way to get in there. Jesus. Jesus.
3: Jesus. Um the uh, the explosion when Harris first goes into the mine almost made me shit in my pants. <laughs>
2: yeah, they fucked with him a little bit there. At the yeah,
3: and then the or, or the with the avalanche that was pretty that was and, good. Scene, and, right? I, and
2: I think that the the one thing it was sort of set up to um, have him be beholding to and. And you know, make no mistake. I mean, when he, he, even they even say this during the movie, and it comes off this way. They, do, I mean, this is the way it is. Harris Connery saves him when this coal chute opens up, not by accident. Right. And and I think, like I said, I think they they did that on purpose, and so Connery could grab him and throw him out of the way, so he'd be like, "Oh fuck, you saved my life." So he'd be beholding to him, but also Harris experiences the life and the working conditions working down there and it affects him
3: oh it's look it's awful like you get he looked and i mean this is probably testament to him being a a, a good actor but he looked and fucking drunk. exhausted maybe he was just drunk yeah. but i mean having to pick up these giant fucking rocks all day and then. but
2: but i mean it, 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 it he is um he is a detective he is there to fuck these guys over and mm-hmm. to put them in jail and or at the end of a noose and after a certain period of time, it's almost like the the cop movies where the cop goes undercover and in the cop yeah, movies yeah, yeah. and starts it, like the I, I don't know if I'd say Stockholm syndrome, but he empath empathi-
1: empathize yeah. <laughs> empathize them, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucker and
2: fucker. There was a guy in the uh, charge of the light brigade that fucking had the worst speech impediment on purpose, <laughs> and it was funny. But um, he he starts. It's almost like the the one cop is like, "Are you okay? You know, you, you don't forget what what you're here for and what you're what side you're on and everything." And he's yeah. like, "Don't worry, I won't. As long as I get my fucking money, you know." I'd, and I'd, and that was that was a pickle toward the end too, on what the girl would do.
3: And, then, and honestly, that's that's where this movie lost me a little bit. When uh, after you you know introduced to the characters, great getting to know each other. Great. Getting it, uh, admitted into the secret society. The second, like, I guess the, I guess the beginning of the third act almost, uh, it, it almost lost me because I was just, not that it was like overly complex, but I just kind of was like, all right, all right, all right, let's go. And maybe it was just, maybe it just went on too long. Yeah. Maybe it was I think focused it too much on the two of them as opposed to Connery and him. Um, I was. I started to lose interest. I love the final scene. I love the scene with them when they make Harris get on his knees and like that look of dread on his face. Like, oh fuck, what's going on? Oh, uh, this might be the end. Yeah. And
1: Sean
2: Connery comes over and zips his pants,
3: whips out his giant Irish cock.
2: shuck my schlong, you fuck, shuck my shillelagh, horsecock, horsecock. But uh, I, I, I was just. I don't know if I would say I was amazed. Um, I thought it was kind of. I don't know how Richard Harris could have expected any reaction other than what he got from the chick. I'm surprised she didn't fucking just smack, knock the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, okay, let's go. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll get you out of here, and she's like, you know, oh, fuck, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Well, it, it just that seemed kind of kind of silly. Yeah,
3: but uh, no, I mean, pretty much universal great performances. Um, this drags a little in the middle. Um, I love the quote. I never could stand the sight of a man carrying a cross. Uh, thought that was pretty cool. Um, and the last thing I'll mention the um. You know, when we were talking about, I was talking about, like, the companies cutting the top of mountains off, but the, uh, you know, when Harris and um, Eggert going out for the the romantic picnic, and that area they're walking through looks like a fucking wasteland. Like, (laughs) it was just, like, it was barren. Like, eventually they got to trees, like a nice little grassy area. That's but what, man, there's, there's like dead trees and like it's here, just
2: scared to be used. Oh, it looked awful. And and Armageddon's going to come anyway, so who cares? It's true. Thousand years of it. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate the idea of um, somebody. This uh, news reporter posted a thing the other day that um, they have these. Um, what do you call it? Those uh, fracking wells and shit on like public property, like. Uh, uh, the, I don't know if it's like in state parks and shit like that. The reason that state parks and national forests are where what they are and where they are is to preserve the fucking environment, at least some of it. And some of these guys that I'm friends with are like, well, hell it's like, it's like a drill, baby, drill, or whatever." You know, let's let's fuck up the Alaskan, you know, wildlife or whatever. These guys are these big-ass hunters that they love their goddamn guns. They want to fucking – all they want to do is go out and kill deer and squirrels and bears and anything they can kill and stuff the dead animal so they have a dead animal fucking in their house. Uh, but then they don't give a shit if they fucking fuck up where you were would hunt and fish.
3: <laughs> yep.
2: But yep. that's but that's the, 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 the thing that I read about the Molly Maguires was it seemed like – there had become a consensus that the actual term Molly Maguire's I mean it was a secret society in Ireland, but that when it was used over here it the it was it was like creating uh, fear. The company created fear by saying there's a secret society that's doing all this shit so that they could go after the guys that were in this legal union. And say, look, there this guy's a terrorist. He's a part of this terrorist organization called the Molly Maguires, And the guys never were. Right, right. They they fucking they railroaded him and like I said, you know, company prosecutors, company cops that arrested him, uh, and the people that sat on the jury were like fucking people that worked for the company. And they basically, to me, they murdered him, you know, just because they were in the way and they were causing problems. But I'm a communist, so
3: <laughs> fucking pinky, yeah, well, pinko, I'm pinky, pinky pink as they
2: get, man.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, let's get into our scores. Um, this movie, I'm a Connery completist. I like Richard Harris. I like a lot of the stuff that he's in. He's a good actor. He's a great actor. So mm-hmm. is Connery. Um, there's several people in this that um, the, it's a, it's a it's a good cast. I can't remember what that one guy's name was. That was the uh, the, he he was in uh, Omega Man with Charlton Heston. He's the guy that was um, in with Connery's group, that was like, let's let's kill him, let's do this net. And, and at the football game, they, the cops got him and were hitting him in the stomach.
3: The big dude? No, the not what? the big dude. The oh. the
2: the little. Um, oh. He, he he wore like a a hat and um, I can't. He he played. Um, oh shit! Let me look at some other motherfucker. <laughs> Is it Anthony Zerby? he's in the movie. I think that's him. Yes, yes, Anthony Zerby. He's in a lot of shit. Um, he he's a really good actor. It's cool to see him. Um, but as even though I like this movie, I don't love it. Mm-hmm. It's not one that I I you know uh, I'll watch anything that Connery's in. Um, I. It's more interesting now for me because right. I'm older and I want to learn about a lot of this shit. Like in um the, the um uh, in Mate One, uh the one guy says, you know, I was I was uh w- I was a wobbly and uh I got my dad a documentary about the wobblies uh because you know he's big into he's a pinko too. Um but um uh, so you know it's just cool to, to learn about this shit. Uh, but as far as a movie goes, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. Uh, 6.5. I'm I'm
3: on I'm I'm the, I'm the same exact score. You're and laying on top of me. I am, totally, and re- just We're moving spooning. around a little bit. Um, <laughs> the, uh, and the reason I was thinking of Last Detail earlier is because the, my feelings between the two films, not to spoil anything for the next review, are kind of similar to Cinderella Liberty and The Last Detail. And that's why it made me think of the last detail. But the um, you know with Cinderella Liberty, like we said, for that it's decent, probably a little too long. Yeah, um, not great, but still good. Um, and I'm there too. Six point five for me.
1: Okay, okay, uh, cool.
2: About, uh, not about the movie. than we did about. The movie. <laughs>
1: that's all right. <laughs> ah,
2: there's that's, a lot of. That's, yeah.
1: that's all right.
2: Might <laughs> learn something on Sylvan Gold this week because you know we're tired of just doing sound effects and voices. <laughs> Let's
3: take a break and review (laughs) (laughs) Mate Juan from 87. We'll be right back.
0: Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Ally McGraw. But I've made one great friend. A Bapo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called ShoShow, Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at Showshow.potematic.com or search showshow, Show, all one word in the iTunes Store.
1: A little bitty spot I ain't coming down No, never, I'm not I'm mountain top I'm mountain top Where I come from The mountains are so wild The blue grass waves Like it's going out of stock God-fearing people Simple and real Cause up on the rich folks That's the deal Well, my daddy worked down In the dark coal mines Shoveling that coal one shovel at a time. Never made a lot of money, didn't have much, but we're high on life and rich in love. High on a mountain top, we live, we love, and we laugh a lot. Folks up here know what they've done. High on a mountain top, high on a mountain top. For the rest of the world like a little gitty spot.
3: Little red in for your ear holes, miners.
1: Our next film is Mate Juan from
3: 1987. Zom, I
2: will let you introduce. Alrighty. A labor union organizer comes to an embattled mining community, brutally and violently dominated and harassed by the mining companies. <laughs> That's um, true.
3: This is uh, possibly no I'm I'm rather lazy with my uh my uh investigative work. Possibly yes. my first John Sayles directed film that I've seen.
2: Lone Star? See not, that? Not seen it. Uh how about Panton and Anna?
3: Nope. No, nope. but see looking at the list here, I don't recognize anything. So. You've
2: seen something. Well I know. no, wait a minute. He did not direct the Dolph movie that we did, he wrote it. Oh okay. uh the Men Men of War. Now of I mean
3: I, I recognize his face. I know I've seen him as an actor. I've seen Piranha.
2: Um You've seen him in One acting.
3: Yes. And uh, uh one of my I love that little part that he does. He was very good. Um, Bolshevik,
2: communist, union man, Beelzebub. Something, uh, something tells me
3: uh, I haven't seen that.
2: Oh God, you gotta watch that. That's
3: about the Black Sox scandal, right?
2: Fuck,
1: it's a baseball movie too.
3: I know. Um, the uh,
1: Jesus.
3: (laughs) Something tells me the role he played in this movie is not his little actual beliefs. (laughs) No. Um. He shunned a corporate career to work various blue collar jobs.
2: So did I. John,
3: <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, and our
2: name's. What? What? No, wait.
3: A handsome guy, that John Sayles. Anyway, the uh, directed by John Sayles, um, starring. Oh, my God. I just lost my. There we go. Uh, st- starring Chris Cooper um, and uh, Will Oldham, who played a lot bigger role than I thought he would. Oh, okay. yeah. And uh, David Strathern—is that how you say his name?
0: Yes, I do. Mm-hmm.
3: Again, another guy that I've recognized from a lot of things, and uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, I asked Zama <laughs> on, on message yesterday who this guy was. Kevin Thigh, or Thigh, or T. T-H- uh, T.
2: Kevin T. T. Yeah, Th- he what? was on. He played Roy DeSoto in the TV show Emergency with Randolph Mantooth.
3: Now, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. and he's, yeah, he's been
2: in a lot of shit. I feel like he's he was, always plays a piece of shit. When he was on Emergency, honest to God, now you just said that he plays a piece of shit. <laughs> when he was on Emergency, he was the nicest – I mean, of course, he was probably only 30 years old. He was the nicest fucking guy. He They were uh, like paramedics. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a great show. But, I mean – Hey, uh, Roy was just the nicest guy in the world, kind of a schlubby, everyday guy. And uh, Randolph Mantooth was the uh, the handsome, half Indian guy. He was a sidekick, and they were <laughs> buddies and friends. And it was a nice show.
3: Oh, he was also he in. Uh, he was also in Eight Men Out. So
2: yes, he was. Must
3: be uh, must be buddies. And, oh. and
2: so was the guy that played. Um, was it Hickey?
3: Hickey, yeah.
2: Uh, or he, no, He's, Grig- he's, he's Hickey. He, yeah. He's Hickey. The guy that played Griggsy was uh, in Eight Men Out, too. He was the catcher.
3: Oh, Roadhouse.
2: Yes, he was in Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> he was the sweet. guy that owns a double douche.
3: And Better Off Dead. Double yeah. douche. Um, anyway.
2: Oh, and uh, 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 David uh, uh, Straithorn was in uh, Eight Men Out, too. I was going to say there's probably several people that are in, like, maybe like in sales. Um, his, uh, his gang, his, his little gang of uh, redneck uh, everyman <laughs> people. Uh,
3: where was John Sales from? He looks oh New York. Okay, I didn't. I, I figured he'd be a coaster. He didn't seem like a Midwesterner kind of guy. I was going to guess California, but
2: he's got the redneck down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For being a New York guy. <laughs>
3: yeah, he does. Um, well, he's from upstate. So
2: yeah, same thing.
3: they just a different accent. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the this is one I had not seen either. Um. This one is um, set in 1920 or so. This is pre uh, pre Great Depression, but I mean, honestly, you wouldn't really know it. And I think this one takes place in West Virginia, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But well, yeah, yeah. Matewan Mate is the name of the is either the county or the town, right?
2: It's down in the southern part of the state, where uh, down around the Jesco White area. And, uh, did, it is seriously,
3: <laughs> I, but I, I did like the line really early on. I, I think it was just a normal townsperson saying it, but like I don't know why you want to go up to Mate One saying "ain't nothing but crazy people." <laughs>
1: well,
2: well, Jessica, wait. Uh, this this it, it, Mate One is uh you know uh, one of the 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 main characters in this is Sid Hatfield and the name Hatfield, the Hatfield and McCoy mm-hmm. feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is in the southern part of West Virginia, right on the Kentucky border. So it'd be like if Sammy and I were feuding.
3: <laughs> um which side do you fall
2: on though? Which side are you on boy? uh the uh skinny uh I don't know, Westford <laughs> side. <laughs> um
3: but yeah, you you know you mentioned something this uh at this there's a there's there's a kind of narration at times through the movie. Um you you get the hint, I guess I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know if it says who it is early on, but you get the hint who it is later on. That's narrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the line that he says, they, they don't care whether we live or die. So long as the coal keeps coming out the ground. Um, you know, you mentioned that in the last one with the, you know, the coal dust and the guy what, what, in the air, what was the guy's name?
2: Don Blank and, shit. Blank and shit. yeah. <laughs> Fucking, he should be in prison. Uh, so. uh, just, just run coal.
3: And you see you see the similarity again between the two the in the last in the previous film we you know in, in Molly Maguire's when Richard Harris is standing in line you see a little less of it here but when they're first introduced uh, to the job there's a, a group of people coming in and certain people that are there already are seeing them as scabs because they are these people that are in Matewan are they don't have a union but they're kind of on strike they're refusing to do work because people keep dying down there and and uh, they're not getting paid shit and everything so the people that have lived there for a while are not going in the mines so the coal company's like well fuck you guys we're just going to bring in some more and um so we get we get we kind of follow them around a little while and it's an insane scene i had no idea what was going on but the train just randomly stops in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden all these rednecks come pouring out of the woods <laughs> beat the shit out of these poor black guys and these italians on this train um, and it should be said the guys that they're seeing as scabs are Are largely black and immigrant Italian. Like, you know, most of them don't, most of the Italian families don't even speak that, you know, in English at all or just a little bit.
2: It's almost like um, in the first one, it it shows the sign of the times where, um, and you see this again in Gangs of New York. At the very beginning of the movie, uh, the Irish are just coming over and they are the like i said the the xenophobic uh target uh these foreigners right, almost right. like those ones from kenya that are trying to take over um these you get that anyway <laughs> <laughs> these these foreigners are coming over blah 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 and and in uh molly maguire's that is the irish and in uh, gangs of new york then some
3: 50 years know, later
2: 50 years later um you have the 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 blacks and the Italians and in gangs of New York as that movie progressed John C Riley, who is an Irishman at the beginning and they're like those goddamn Catholic Irish pigs and all this net then as time progresses on and they've been there for a while the Irish became like you always see in the old movies the, the, the tough cops. Irish cop. yeah 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 and who are they fighting? those fucking, uh, Dago's, yep, uh, yep. Al Capone and, uh, and these guys like the goddamn Dago's coming to take our jobs. So it's like, it's just how long you've been here, you know, it's, that's it, what I'm
3: trying to make. See? And it's still, I mean, you know, it's still going on now, you know, with
2: the Mexicans, those Mexicans like, goddamn Muslims, Mexicans, yeah. those goddamn Muslims. It's whoever, you know, you have to have uh, Chris Christopherson said in this, in the song, uh, Jesus was a Capricorn. Everybody's got to have somebody <laughs> to look down
3: on. <laughs> um, but yeah they, pretty, uh, pretty early on well uh, James Earl Jones we didn't I didn't mention his name yet he's
2: they, they call me a few clothes.
3: I I fucking love James Earl Jones Um, his voice especially if he uses profanity or like insults somebody is just <laughs> phenomenal you but like, like he, when
2: he went Andre the Giant on those guys <laughs> I loved when he
3: they said like you watch your mouth Peckerwood <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great scene but um, you get you get the introduction of John Sayles as the preacher now he's not in it much it's just kind of a little side roll
2: but, but it's a fucking good it's it, good
3: he's, he's just he's, he's yelling and, and railing against socialism and unionization and all this stuff in
2: and, the church it, and so and, and okay now you have that going on today too uh, because all these churches are tax exempt Mm-hmm. Because they're supposed to be for everybody, but then you have these asshole preachers in these churches. We gotta get rid of this goddamn Obama and these fucking uh, uh, these Muslim uh, Sharia law and me, 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 me. so how? Why are they tax exempt? They're taking Ugh. the side. Their only side should be peace, love, forgiveness, and helping your fellow man. That's what's about you fucking <laughs> cunts I'm an atheist and I know what it's about. You fucking <laughs> pervert it because Damian Thorne is your fucking, uh, your true master.
3: <laughs> um, greed. But I, yeah, you know, I love, I love that part with, uh, James Earl Jones when, you know, he tells him to watch his mouth. Like, and the reason, why, reason being is somebody calls him a scab and he's like, pretty much like, I'm okay being called a nigger, but don't ever call me a scab. I've never been called a scab. Um, I'm just doing my job, you know, and, um, so the the initial conflict in the movie is between these new guys and the people already in Matewan. Then you have Chris Cooper's character who, I don't know if he has a job or if it's just like he's just an activist. Um,
2: well, it's his job.
3: Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know if he gets uh, – is he getting paid though?
2: Um, well, when you're a commie and you're a Bolshevik <laughs> – he, he's, um, he's he's a he's a troublemaker. He's he, he, well, he, he just kind of
3: he's a stirrer. He's a pot stirrer. He's a little piece of shit. Just messing up a good thing. Um, basically, Chris Cooper's character, uh, Kenny. What is his last name?
2: Uh, Kennahan.
3: Kennahan. Kennahan is traveling. Joe Kennahan, He travels around the country to labor disputed areas and kind of helps to organize unions. Um, it made me think of the the. Um, the one book, the the Updike, was it Updike book?
2: What are you talking about?
3: About, about working in factories and stuff, and uh, it kind of like led to helping with uh, god damn it, what's the name of that book? Anyway, the um, so he's in town too, and it's kind of you don't really know at first what he's doing, um, and he starts, he starts, uh, Organizing these meetings, these late night meetings and stuff, because they have to keep hidden from the coal company. Um, then as they're working out their differences, the new guys and the people already established in one, the coal company obviously has gotten word that <laughs> that the sh- money's not coming in, and they send the pieces of shit of the movie yeah. uh, Hickey the and Griggs. And oh my God! So this is Kevin. Kevin Teague, you said, and Kevin,
2: well, I think it's just Kevin T. T.
3: That's a lot of letters just to say T. <laughs> well, uh, and Gordon Clapp. The um, they're sent in posing essentially as law enforcement, but they're two. I know one of them is, but I assume both like uh, veterans of World War One or something. They're yeah. Just kind of yeah. hard nosed guys that hired guns. Yeah, and they are they are assholes um and i the fantastic intro to the two of them when they come up on the train station and you have this little local lady that just sits there at the train stop and looking at the trains come in looking at the people get off the train and you know uh uh hickey's kind of talking her up a little bit and he's like you know you are the best looking mountain trash i've seen in a long while and like the look on her face is just like what the and he's like Let's hurry up and get this shit done so we can get out of this shit whole town. And they just walk off and he like looks at her like a big douche over his shoulder and they just force their way in everywhere and so they're there they are there to make sure this union doesn't happen.
2: Which they pretty much the the thing that the thing that everybody is over the barrel about is they were the Baldwin Felt's uh detective agency is hired by this coal company the coal company owns everything they own basically you they own your house they own your clothes they own the food they own everything so when they go and say hey i'm staying here at your house you can't say anything yeah and that was the, know, that, but,
3: i think I, skipped, I think i glossed over it but the when the when the uh, the black guys the italian guys are coming in and learning about their job you know the guy walking them through the cabins and stuff saying you know telling them everything that's going to be deducted from their pay he's like he's like oh you got your blah 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 clothes and that's going to be two dollars off every every paycheck and then uh, you know your tools and your transportation yeah well they, to the did, mine they and,
2: did that to uh, Richard Harris yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. one where he, he was supposed to get like they said uh, okay you mind sixteen dollars and by the time they took everything off that he used he had like thirty five cents <laughs> for a week's work
3: yeah um
2: God damn, Richard Harris! You work cheap, bitch.
3: And I don't remember who said this, but I I love the line. It's a you work, they don't. That's all you got to know about the enemy. But yeah. it's it's uh it's 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 very you know, and I like that they did that. Is that in both in both films? You you never see the only face you get to, uh, to attach to the coal company are the cops or these like asshole detectives yeah. or whatever. You never see a guy in a suit, or you never see a higher up. They're not there, and they don't want to be there because it's dirty and gross. Um, Shit,
2: yeah, they're sitting in their fucking uh, palace in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, so or whatever. But not um, the Cayman Islands, but you know, I'm trying to make a point.
3: <laughs> I know the uh, now. I like the scene with
2: um, as,
0: as the uh,
3: <laughs> as the people as the the guys <laughs> the the miners all start to work out their differences slowly but surely. Um, you get a hint of it, and uh, it's it's very well handled but the um you got these two white guys sitting on a front porch and they're listening in they're kind of eavesdropping on these italian guys playing music and they are trying to play along and they're like wait did somebody else just start playing and they're trying to play along and then all the while you, it pans across to another cabin and there's a black guy playing harmonica along with all three people which is really cool and then later in the movie they're actually all playing music together which was really nice. But
2: and that's how Joy Division started.
3: <laughs> and the band would be called Joy Division. <laughs> You're the best.
2: No, listener. but I mean it, it does kind of show you how um you know certain forms of music probably got started because it's a melding of this and that and you know, <laughs> and a little redneckery here, a little uh, jazz or blues and a little bit of uh I don't know what that other shit was, probably um <laughs> Hip hop or something. I don't know. Whatever.
3: I wouldn't pee on him if his heart was on fire.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's It's good, good line. Um,
3: uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, it,
2: it's, it's, um, there are a lot of really good performances in this movie, and everybody, mm-hmm. uh, with the characters that they have, uh, do a great job. Uh, the two polers for, not polars, but, um, of course, you know the heroes. Uh, you had Chris Cooper, who is an everyman, mm-hmm. nonviolent, but still uh, willing to put it on the line.
3: Right? He doesn't and care that, if he gets shot, but he doesn't. He refuses to carry a pistol.
2: But then Sid Hatfield is the is like he has this crazy, not crazy, but this like he's just like uh, 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 like an ice man yeah he 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 comes out with those lines like you know i met your uh mr uh whatever uh one time i wouldn't piss on him if he's on fire but he he it's just like when the guys are basically sitting there trying to buy him off he doesn't give them anything and then even when they're basically threatening his life he says he just looks at the guy and he goes they come to kill me, you know, uh, it, and it's just as just so matter of fact. And the funny thing is the 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 um, the, the, the mayor store owner and the or he's like kind of like uh, no, he owns the bar, doesn't he? But he's the mayor too, the fat guy that's yeah, always yeah, with yeah. Sid. he's sweating fucking bull. Anytime some of this Bob, stuff ha- it's Bob
3: Gunton. He's the he was the it, warden in uh, the warden in the prison of uh, Shawshank.
2: No, not, no, 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 not, the, not that guy.
3: Oh, the I fat thought he guy. owned the restaurant bar. Oh, the fat, okay. But he the, he the did, he guy. did. They,
2: they, they, the, maybe they were just meeting in the place, but it's the mayor, the fat guy. Okay. It's, it's, it, it talk about two polar opposites on how they react to things. These guys come in, and uh, the whole time that the baldwin Phelps guys are trying to buy them off, uh, and then basically uh, Sid Hatfield... Uh, Tells them to go fuck
0: themselves.
2: (laughs) Um, As soon as the guys walk out, Sid's just sitting there, and you couldn't tell that if somebody would have just walked in and said, "Hey, you want to buy a broom?" He wouldn't had any action. As soon as they walk out, the other guys like, "Oh my God, Jesus Christ!"
3: And uh, in yeah, you know, the Hickey and um, Hickey and Griggs are are great in it because they, Um, whenever they're on screen, you you feel tense. They they're so good and I
2: but you you fucking hate oh god
3: they are awful and they're awful to everybody except each other I guess um and then I guess opposite of them I guess the other you know you have you have Cooper doing his thing and you have uh, Strathern who's kind of like in between because you, you get it's hard to get a read on him at first and I don't even know if he's all that interested. The Sid Hatfield character—I don't even know if he's all that interested in the union stuff—and he just yeah,
2: kind of he, at first you, you you kind of think that he might kind of be a dick.
3: Yeah, but I think he's just really like you know leave my leave my air, leave my people alone. Not like a, I don't you know what they do is up. He doesn't to them. want
2: anybody to come in and and cause uh, harm from either side. Right, he, right, right. He's a peacekeeper and he's there to keep the peace. So even when Cooper shows up at first, he lets him know. He doesn't go and say, "Hey man, oh my god, it's, I'm so glad you're here." These guys are dicks and everything. Mm-hmm. He he fucking just kind of and even when subtly, without saying a word, when James Earl Jones comes into town, and James Earl Jones is walking in in the street, walking down the street in, at night, and he's standing up on the um, on like the the stores have like an elevated porches, yeah, or walk walk some, you know wooden like porches that go in front of all the stores, and as James Earl Jones is walking, when he gets by him. Hatfield starts like shadowing him and he can hear him walking on that wooden porch behind him like just letting him know, you know, mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. motherfucker, I'm here and he lets everybody know that.
3: Yeah. Um now th- I think honestly the other probably the, the other bigger highlight of the film with, for me was uh was Will Oldham as Danny. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't always care for kid actors. Um and And Will Oldham, he, Will Oldham is a musician mainly now. He's been in a few movies, but, I mean, he's been recording music for quite a while. Uh, Bonnie Prince Billy is one name he records under. But he's only, he was 17, I think, when he made the film, but he plays a 14-year-old. And what's interesting about his character, he's, he's also a preacher. And now I don't know how much of this would have been allowed to go on, but he kind of, he preaches at the same time as, or kind of like after, uh, john Sayles preacher, and says almost a completely opposite thing to what he 's saying um but he 's really good he 's um you know he 's got huge teeth but <laughs> yeah the uh I, I, I you know the way he kind of tied in biblical stories and even like past messages and stuff that way um I really like the development of his character. I thought he did a great job so um but the uh that, was that
2: his first movie?
3: That was, his, I, I, if it wasn't his first, it was his first, like, his big first role. first major one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is amazing,
2: yeah. you because know, he was so good.
3: Uh, he was in something, it, what comes around in 86, as young Tom Hawkins, so I assume it was a flashback. Ooh, that looks mm. like your favorite, Jerry Reed. <laughs> Jerry, awesome. Reed. Jerry Reed. Oh, son. Jerry Reed and Bo him. Hopkins.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: so he must have just played young Jerry Reed in that movie. um
2: Get to meet Bo Hopkins here shortly.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, now that's next month. That's the one in uh, up around Cleveland. Oh that's right, not right, the, right. Okay. That's not the hoe hound.
3: The hoe hound. Um, all we got in common is misery, and the least we can do is share it. That's a more more narration. Is uh, the 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 conflict between the miners finally comes to a head when all the miners decide, hey, as soon as these scabs try to go into the mine, we're going to stop them whichever way we can. Um, they, somehow they even get a fucking like World War One I- style machine gun to post at the front of the fucking mine. Which in this one you don't see any mine work. This is all. Well, no, that
2: a- was the that was the uh, the mining company had the machine gun.
3: Well, didn't weren't the, were they not using the Bul- it
2: though? No, that was the, that no 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 that was the Baldwin felt, uh, uh, got, uh hired guns that were protecting the scabs that were coming into the mine. Oh, well if the if the miners that showed up that were on strike started anything, they were going to mow them down.
3: Okay. Okay. I thought that they I thought they just had that that gun somehow and that they were nah. using it to keep the scabs from going inside. Okay. Um the uh and, you know, you got this huge conflict going on and Yeah, cuz re-
2: remember when when that when that happened, the guy was up there with the machine gun. James Earl Jones, they, they, they come together, the, the, uh, the guys on strike and the scabs. James Earl Jones walks over, like walks right up to the machine gun. And there's a guy, there's the guy on the machine gun. Because you, you could tell all the detectives because they, they, they didn't wear like coal miners hats. They had suits on and they had like those okay. fedoras. And there was another guy standing there with a mustache, an older guy. And James Earl Jones goes, I think this belongs to you. And throws his shovel down. Uh,
3: Okay, okay, okay. Got it. Got it. All right. The, um, yeah, see. And I, I, I really like the, when the hillbillies are introduced. I thought that was a great, (laughs) a great moment because after, after the, the union is finally formed and they're like, okay, we're not going to live in your housing anymore. Um, you know, we're just going to go stay out here in a field and we refuse to work and they just built tents and everything and Chris Cooper's out there. Um, but the you know the coal company starts sending their guys to fucking just shoot at them at night and all this stuff, and there's this huge standoff where the, you know the coal company is trying to say hey you know what the clothes you're wearing and stuff you know you got to give this back all these tents you probably have the, you know this probably belongs to us and and the yeah, hillbillies come in
2: spot because they pick the, the, the coal company picks their spot because they know that all, mo, with the exception of just a couple of guys all the men had left mm-hmm. so it was just all the women. Chris Cooper right, and a right, couple right. of the young boys were there.
3: All the all the men are out at a meeting. Basically, they're meeting somewhere yeah. in town. So it's such all the wives and children and stuff. And and there's a there's a nice little side story with the uh, the like kind of the crotchety old lady and the Italian lady that just argue all the time, even though they still speak the same language. She's like, let's just look at her sitting over there. <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought that was pretty good, but the you know when they come up when the when the coal company comes up trying to take all their shit, that's when the hillbillies just come out of the woods and they're pi- they're they're pissed because the coal company years and years ago go took all their land. And uh <laughs> there's a great line. I think it was uh I think it was Griggs that said it with a guy pointing that old like vintage rifle at him. He's like, "Where'd you get that thing? The Spanish-American War?" <laughs> and he's like, "The war between the states." <laughs>
1: I got no edge but I got of the war between states.
3: But these guys are the coolest ones in the whole movie because they don't even blink an eye. They're they're just like walking through and they're like, Leave these assholes alone. And then all of them leave. leave. And then they the just walk back off. They walked the way they came in. It was pretty great. Um
2: And I guarantee you sales probably just found a couple uh, just found some people down there. I guarantee you those weren't actors. Those were <laughs> just guys that probably lived down
3: there. It was probably their they're actual actors. firearms too.
2: Uh, seriously
3: <laughs> um,
2: it's a different world
3: now, I heard it more in the previous movie now i don't know if it was something that I was just listening for, but or if it was like an intentional thing whenever there's a meeting or anything, a group of people, you always hear someone coughing in the background. Um, you hear it was, more in Molly Maguire's, and I, I assume it was. Maybe, I mean, I assume it was intentional. Yeah, but I, th- yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought that was a nice touch without actually, now they talk about the you know, people coughing and stuff. In this one, they don't really talk they about checking, the guy's health.
2: They were checking each other for hernias.
3: <laughs> oh, fucking, hernias are the worst.
1: <laughs> With um, black leather chaps. <laughs> uh,
3: I've had a couple of those hernias. Um,
2: Can I check your black anus? <laughs> <laughs>
3: black waffle.
2: Instead of black lung, he had a black waffle.
3: Um,
2: and James Earl Jones comes out with a cowboy hat and a jog strap, like the guy in *Cruising*. the black guy, and he's like, It calls me a few clothes.
3: Watch your it's, mouth, wood.
2: And slap Chris Cooper across the face. Just
3: <laughs> what are the, with one of those fucking like leather studded paddles. just like, Smack oh, yeah. Um It's like, What the
2: hell is that?
3: Nothing like a young boy dying to stir things up. I won't. I won't say any more about that. Um, and this movie actually uh, a couple times got me a little misty. Um, the uh, when the when Sid Hatfield is carrying a body through the camp. Oof. Mm. oof that one got me. Um, this is uh, again just like I said the last one. This is well acted all across. Um, what this one has over the other one for me is a better pace and more, like I felt more tied or more, I, I either felt more tied or more disgusted by the characters I was supposed to admire or hate. Um, mm-hmm. This 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 movie is incredible to me, so I want to hear your thoughts on it.
2: Well, the movie mate one. Um, I... This was a movie, uh, and I think I think that uh, I remember when it came out, it was it was got huge reviews. Mm-hmm. It didn't do that well. I mean, because I I don't know if I would say it's a, it, it's an art house. It's not. I don't think it's an art house movie. But I was looking. I I, I was shocked. What um, you know? I'm fucking all over the place here. Um, <laughs> when I looked on Embada And it said, okay, the budget was $4 million, and it it only grossed, like, $1,600. Uh, Okay. Now, around here, it was huge because, of course, it takes place in West Virginia. Uh, Everybody that heard about it, er, er, you know, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew when it came out. Everybody saw it. They showed it. I'm pretty sure. I think I remember we watched this in, uh, let's see, what year was this made? 87. 87 i don't know if we watched it in college or if they had some kind of showing up at the school or what, but anyway um
3: same year as I, lethal but i don't, right, Beverly Hills I, but I don't
2: think it got it i don't think it got uh like a wide release in the theaters mm. as, as 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 i think that's why uh and i'm not sure how it did because I did not look it up as far as Nominations or anything like that, but I know critically it was, uh, it was really fucking, um, you know, uh, praised. Um, the you know, this is, I think, the first movie I ever saw Chris Cooper in and i remember the that, the that, that when they reviewed it they said he was either the working man or the poor man's harrison ford is how they described him at the time <laughs> this is his, you know that he
3: was this is his first movie
2: yeah i mean i'd never i'd never heard of him, never seen him and he really you know really uh you know took off after that and i mean he he he's in a lot of stuff now like yeah. the born movie and all that stuff like that but um And he was in Lone Star. He was him, you know. He was like the main the main star of Lone Star too, which you should see. Um, I much now not the Molly Maguire's movie. I liked watching it. Like I said, for its historical significance and stuff like that. But even when I was talking to Bryn, because I hadn't seen it so long, I had this uh, notion that it took place in, like, Wales or Ireland. And he was like, no, 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 it's in the United States. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, you're right, you know. Um, I have much more of an attachment to this movie because it took place in West Virginia. It's a true story. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it's it's closer to the times when my family, now on my dad's side, because they're the... You know, Polish and Hungarian, they didn't come over until probably the late 30s because they came over, the ones that made it out before they got massacred mm-hmm. in World War II, uh, came over right before World War II. Uh, my mom's family are more the hillbillies, and uh, they're the ones when we <laughs> went to the family reunion when we were kids that you would see uh, guys sitting around playing the fiddle. Uh, my uncle Melvin wine was like, uh, this, uh, you know, he's a major figure in bluegrass music and one he won, uh, it's this award that they give that the, the, the U S government, the highest award that's given to a musician by the United States government as a, he's a, you know, as a, a fiddle player, he has albums and everything. Melvin wine, look him up. Uh, he's, he's, he's really well known. Um, but anyway, and the people that I would see at the at my mom's reunions and the people of my mom's family uh, are you know from the southern part of the state and this is you know the, I, that's why I could kind of relate to it so uh watching it is it was it was uh, it was interesting because it's, it's very educational and learning about stuff like this, mm-hmm. and then us you know my family being big into the like i said you know labor movement and organized labor and stuff like that um I remember vividly, like you said, the two main villains in the movie, just what assholes they were and um, how they um, – uh, Kevin T, um, uh, at one point, they're sitting at the dinner table uh, in this, these people's, this woman's house. And uh, she 's there by herself, because nobody wants to eat with these guys anymore because they 're just abrasive in their dicks, and oh, they, he pulls a gun on that fucking kid at the table, yeah, right Ugh. in his face, and you know it's like, it's like nothing they, they, and that's the thing it's, it, the, the way that these guys are it 's like they're in occupied territory and 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 I will say this, I was just going to say it's like they're in a war zone, and it was a war zone mm-hmm. um, people. Especially today, because people don't give a shit. They don't want to know history. I mean, even like people that, uh, if they're baseball fans or even wrestling fans or something like that, they don't, they don't know. They, they don't learn like, you know, Stan Musial or Roberto Clemente, Mickey Mantle, and guys like that. And I was always, um, the kind of person, even with sports or anything, where I liked learning about the past and 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 not just the statistics and shit like that, but about the people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about uh, whether it's sports. You know, this guy Mickey Mantle. You know, he liked to go out and drink, or Bobby Lane would play a game after we'd been out drinking all night and shit like that. It's it's um it's uh interesting, you know, uh, to find out what who these people were. Um th- <sighs> for the the you know the working man at this time um there were several incidents like at the end of this movie um there's something that occurs you know uh, some uh, you know this violence and it's a, in, in West Virginia it's a legendary you know thing that happened and you can still go down there and you know go to the, the where this where the, the it, it looks you know exactly the same you can still see where there's bullet holes in in the fucking you know concrete and in the walls and stuff like that, and it's it's like a tourist attraction thing. Um, but now recently, um, Bobby Kennedy did a documentary, and I can't remember what it's called because Sammy and I had watched it, and uh, I think Will watched it just recently, and it's about the mountaintop removal thing in West Virginia and them going down and protesting uh, th- this. Um, they want to do mountaintop removal coal mining, which is basically where they blow up a mountain. Yeah, that's what I was talking about instead before. Of, yeah, instead of the guys going down in the ground, which is dangerous, you know, yeah. uh, they just blow the fucking top off of, this, of these mountains and just destroy the you know, the water. They 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 say they're going to go in and, uh, you know, after it's over and, and plant grass and everything. Well, you know, they've blown the topsoil. It's just nothing but rock. So the only thing that grows is like weeds and shit. And it looks like, it looks horrible. But, um... Another significance of that when they were protesting this and everything – and I think this – when they had that big protest, it was when we were at Horror Hound in Cincinnati because I I was thinking – I was like, man, I'd like to go to that. Um, But one of the significance that relates to this movie is um, there was a historical thing that happened, and it was called the Battle of Blair Mountain. Um. After I, I'm pretty sure it's after the stuff happened at the end of Matewan. Um, there was a gathering of miners mm-hmm. from everywhere, from everywhere in West Virginia at Blair at this place Blair Mountain. Um, it was the biggest gather armed gathering of armed men. In the history of the United States since the Civil War, and probably after, because oh, I mean' wow. you know, never been these are just civilians, armed civilians, that got together and marched to Blair Mountain. The United States government, acting as a arm of big business, uh, coal company, um, actually sent planes over and they dropped bombs on these miners. Uh, and there was uh, it was you know uh, basically a war. I mean soldiers and stuff. And there's guys that go down there now and they walk around that area with uh, metal detectors and they find all these bullets and they find uh, you know frag- uh, shrapnel from these biplanes that these uh, the, the, the the U.S. military would fly over and drop bombs on these guys to kill mm-hmm. them uh, because they thought that one thing you have to understand though too is the times. And I'm not taking up for anything that the government did or anything that um, that uh, these fucking asshole, greedy cocksuckers, coal companies did, but they looked at the Russian Revolution. See, that's like when um, John Sayles' character says Bolshevik, communist, you know, whatever. Nowadays they label you a socialist or a, a communist, but right, back right. then you're talking like 1912, 1917, or something like that during or World War 1 the Russians had
3: really taken sh- yeah. taken hold yeah
2: the russians had their revolution and the bolsheviks took over russia they fucking kicked out and killed the tsar who was the king and that that was a workers a united workers thing where they all got together and said, "We're tired of this shit. All the money flowing upward and the trickle down shit, where we don't have anything." And they t- they took over this huge, vast country, and the cu- the world was scared to death because that's what they said. He said to Chris Cooper, "He says, you know, uh, is is you a RID? Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know, uh, well, I guess I am. Uh, depending on what you, like, it's like when we say, you know, are you a pinko or whatever." You know, in some ways, you know, now that whole movement over there got perverted and it just became a fucking bunch of bullshit where the it just got turned upside down. But the uh, uh, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, Stalin got in power, Lenin and all them, and they. He liked
3: his power they, a little too much.
2: All the money just flew up to them and they became the the rich and the, you know, whatever, and they exploited everybody else. So I'm not for that, but. Um, That's one thing that Bobby Kennedy Jr. was saying is uh, that these big companies not only want to uh, blow up Blair Mountains uh, and, and get the coal, but they also want to do it because it's such a symbol of the American labor movement. The Battle of Blair Mountain. A lot of people don't know anything about it. So if, you, if you're listening to the show, look this shit up. Uh, it's on Wikipedia or whatever. It's, it's very interesting. And most people don't know that there was a, a fucking armed rebellion almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like I said, the, the, the biggest gathering of armed men, civilians, in this country's history after war, since the Civil War. And the American government fought them. Uh, literally with guns and bombs. Um, so, um, the few things that I remember vividly about this movie, of course, I, well, like I said, I watched it again this morning. I've seen it a lot of times. One thing that really disturbed me for a long time was this movie. That, that first of all, this movie was so good. Uh, it did come out on VHS um, at first, mm-hmm. but between being on coming out on VHS, it did not come out on DVD until just a few years ago. I think. Yeah, it was it was out of print. It, you couldn't find it unless you you know other means or whatever. Uh, and then they finally put it out. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? This movie was good. Why why was it held up for so long? Um, th- every scene, pretty much, wh- where Sid <laughs> Hatfield is involved. Um, was because I mean I know even like people that when we were younger we were like oh my god he was so fucking cool you know <laughs> because he was almost like a uh, the the one uh, I think Chris Cooper mm-hmm. asked the girl that he was living with he said you know um, uh, you know was Sid in the war because like you said now this this takes place like right after probably World War One so there's a lot of guys and, and when you. Th- not 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 taking up for or making any excuses for the the detective guys, but they even kind of show this a little bit toward the end, where they start bringing more of those guys in, and those guys are just schlub everyday guys too. They 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 um, they probably didn't have a job. They came back from World War One. Right. They didn't have a job, and um, they see a flyer that says make good money, you know, and they're like, what's this all about? They don't even know what they're going they just they were just told bring your gun and you know you can come down here and make good money and the guys like what's this fucking all about what are we doing you know and um so they're just they're just being exploited you know for either their their um wanting to make a a a living and the fact that they have killed uh mm-hmm. now there are some people that like uh the two asshole guys uh that are pretty much psychopaths and uh they'll do anything and and they don't they don't think about humans in the same way or humanity the one guy just tells a chilling story to this to this kid to, oh, yeah. to just fuck with him and he says about you know he earned when I was, his medal
3: in in, uh, in world war one
2: yeah i earned this medal in world war one and just basically sits there and tells him how he just st- uh stabbed guy, German after German, Hun, or whatever they called him, the Hun. After German. Uh, yeah, as they jumped into this foxhole. And he, every time they would one of them would jump in, he would just stab him and then later on, here comes another one. They'd jump in. I guess they thought the foxhole was empty. they jump in, didn't know he was there, and he just basically put up a big pile of them. From, but he was, you know, whether it's war or not, he's physically stabbing these people to death. In the face, and in he some, said. <laughs> Stuck and him in the face. Of, it was, I don't know if it, it, this would obviously change someone. And it obviously, I don't know how, what kind of person he was before, but he was just a fucking, he was, to me, he was a psychopath. Yeah. Him and the other guy, like pulling a gun on a kid. And these are Americans. It's not like you're in a goddamn Nazi Germany and this is a, a some German kid sitting there saying, you know, Heil Hitler across the table from me or whatever. Um, but the, the, um, the the thing like you said where it was um chris cooper tells a story uh because you can see how is it danny the boy yeah preacher yep danny really looks up to sid he he kind of like that's like his hero and at this time it's it tells you a, a sign of the times where he's danny and uh And uh, Joe are are throwing a baseball back and forth. And he says, you know, who's your favorite player? And he doesn't say, like, Ty Cobb or, whoever you know, at the time, whoever the big names mm-hmm, were. Mm-hmm. He said so-and-so who plays, you know, uh, he plays uh, for such-and-such a team over over the holler you know. Because everything is very simple and uh, insulated at that time. You didn't have TV. You might have had a radio, but very few people probably did. Yeah. And so you didn't have this national thing where – or Facebook and shit like that. But um, They didn't the, have Facebook? Uh, no. Uh, well, you know. uh, the uh, um, the the like I said, Danny really looks up to Sid because he knows that Sid fought in the war. So it's almost like Sid's like Captain America or something. Is like you know, Sid fought in the war and and uh, you know, Sid walks around with his guns and Sid's cool motherfucker and everything. They call him Smiling Sid Hatfield. You know, um, they said that before he went to the war. He was – I guess it, you know, he was changed too because they said they called him Smile and Sid, and then when he came back, he was different. Um, but Joe is talking to Danny, and, and he said, were you in the war, Joe? And Joe basically is telling Danny that, no, I went to prison. I refused to go fight uh, for –
3: Yeah, but that's like in the, the industry –
2: yeah, for, for 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 some fucking in for some big businessman, uh, whether it's a government or big business or the government's protecting the big business or whatever, and he said all I saw standing across the line were other workers. So if he was told to go fight Germans, because like I said, we well, you know with the charge of the labor gate, the guys that are doing the fighting or Vietnam or whatever are just guys. They're guys like you and me, or who I hope not you and me, because Jesus Christ, but. Um, <laughs>
3: I think we're too we're too old. They don't they, they need more impressionable minds.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't go anyway. Even if I was, was five, I would have went to I would have done what he did. I would have went to prison.
3: I'll go fi- um, I'll go visit Will for a little while.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, um, <laughs> he tells him he says, you know, all I saw was was uh, uh, workers fighting workers, and I didn't go. And he relates this story of being in prison and um, bec- because he wouldn't go to war. And these Mennonites uh, were brought in because they wouldn't go to war. But they wouldn't go to war because it was against their religion. And the Mennonites are kind of like, I guess, like the Amish, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and he tells about how they pretty much fucked with these guys because they were of a different uh, – I don't know. They're not really a different religion because they're pretty much, you know, believe in Yeah, I mean, they're, still, and,
3: they're still Protestant, but not – But they're different,
2: yeah. you know. And they fucked with him, and, and, and I almost got shades of like Abu Ghraib prison where they, he said, you know, they, 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 they hung them by their you know, wrists uh, so their toes just barely touched the floor and the guy's hands and shit would swell up there. But he said, no matter what they did to these guys, uh, they would not renounce uh, their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, they, were, they tortured him, you know. And, uh, hey, you know, guess what? Hey, America loves to torture. I just saw a thing today where they found some guy from a foreign country uh, in America, and the guy was known to, I don't know if it was Sierra Leone or wherever, but he was known to be this torturer, and they, they caught him. And I was like, how the hell could you prosecute anybody for torture in America now? Yeah, for Considering real. for eight years we said, hey, it's okay.
1: Yeah, so you mm-hmm. want to torture somebody?
2: Um, so, anyway, that was, a, that was another story that I really liked. And, um, and like I said, uh, the, the, the one that, that I always remember and that I quote when I'm talking to friends and shit about, uh, you know, like I said, whether it's labor relations or the top 1% versus the trickle down on top of our heads with piss thing is, um, you know, there's only one war, and that's um, um, those who work and those who don't. Uh, we work, they don't. And you know there's some people that just can 't seem to get that through their head because they they dangle the carrot in front of them if you buy a lottery ticket, you might win three hundred million dollars, or if you do this, you know if you lick their boots they might get they might let you uh come up and uh and fucking live in the big house or something like that like Nora Desmond but anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: there 's a lot of shit in this movie that 's just fucking uh, uh, top to bottom it's it 's um it's a fucking masterpiece, yeah. and I think I, – I, I I'm sorry that it gets overlooked. I, I, I think that um, I can't – I mean I don't know what else it went up against uh, for the Oscars, and I think it did get some nominations. Um, I, I forgot to look that up. It was nominated for Best Picture, I think. Yeah, and, I, and for some reason I'm thinking – I mean if Cooper didn't get a nomination – for best actor, it would be it. It was a. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. But if he didn't, it was a crime. You
1: know.
2: <laughs> he was he was just fucking awesome as you know first big acting role and everything. And like I said, the guy that played Danny, same way. I mean, he was just fucking. He was awesome. So I should have um, put in it was, uh,
3: put in some uh, gonna... Will Oldham mu- music this week.
2: Yeah, you fucked up. I that's fucked up I...
3: again. It happens. All right. well, I think we can uh, uh, we can rate it.
2: Well I think we can just rate it right now.
3: This was you said you've seen this a thousand times. This was my first time seeing it. Um and I agree wholeheartedly. This is uh this is pretty fantastic. Um I will be revisiting this one and I and I I, I implore everyone to check it out if you haven't seen it. Um really good shit. Uh I give this uh I give it a nine point two five.
2: It yeah, sounds good to me, but I tell you what. <sighs> okay, now I'm gonna pull a Groundhog Day on you. <laughs>
3: You're gonna try to eke a time out of me, me.
2: Tell me what's wrong with this movie. Um, let's see. Besides, the guy who had big teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and one thing I did want to mention. Uh, uh, well, I. I don't feel as bad about saying it in the first movie because it was the whole movie was about that. But there's some, there's some similarities with this movie, with the other one, mm-hmm. with uh, Molly Wars 2. But anyway, um, yeah. T- I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting you on the spot, but I'm just saying because I was thinking about this after I watched it. Um, when I was thinking about what I was going to rate it at, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if I wanted to shoot for the moon. But then I have to say to myself – if I rate this nine point two five, or if I rate this a nine point five, what is the drop off? What causes it? And tell me why it's not a ten. I mean it's just it, tell it's, me a, why. it's a why.
3: it's the feeling I get. Like when, when you when you got the ten out of me for uh for um okay. we give I've given two tens on the show. To uh to Groundhog Day and to the um the wrestling doc, uh, uh, wrestling documentary,
2: um, lipstick or not lipstick but, uh, uh Memphis Heat,
3: Memphis Heat. Though, those just speak to me on a on on that level. Like like, I'm never going to find anything wrong with it. This works for me right now. I don't know that it always will. I don't know that it always would have. I've never seen a time when uh, those two movies wouldn't have worked for me. And um, i just I, I don't have a perfect movie feel about it, and it 's only my personal opinion at this point i can 't think of anything off the top of my head that I would change about it um but that's just it's just my gut feeling
2: I give it a ten i can't i couldn 't think i've seen it so many times I love the movie I cannot think of anything that I would change i can't think of anything that's wrong with it, including the movie or the music um uh, the feel of it, the the, the music's uh, really
3: good, I, and casting,
2: I, the clothing, the the where it takes place, cinematography. It says here that the only uh, the the thing, the only thing I see for Academy Award was it was nominated for Best Cinematography by uh, Hax Haskell Wexler, and mm-hmm. it didn't win. So that's hmm. the only thing. I but maybe it was, it was because maybe it was because it was considered a small picture or something like that i don't know but sales direction was awesome uh i mean i can't tell you anything about this movie that i can rationally say i took a point off for this or i took a point off for that
3: yeah i mean i and i honestly i'm i'm, I'm very close to that too unless
2: i say it didn't have any fucking in it
3: <laughs> <laughs> not enough titties uh and that's our review of mate one high <clears throat> praise. Uh, Let's take a break and come back and do some feedback. Be right back.
1: Hello there, ladies and good
0: gentlemen. I'm here to talk to you about something very important today. That's outside the cinema. I know a lot of you listening now enjoy the film world. Boy, Outside the Cinema covers all kinds of good films. If you're looking for the classics, perhaps you're looking for a good old Nazi film where the Nazis torture and rape everyone in sight,
4: or
3: giant monsters crawl from the sea, or perhaps an Italian film where Edward's finish takes their clothes off
0: for no apparent reason, or renegade bikers just do whatever they damn well
4: please, perhaps even occasionally turn into a werewolf, then Outside the Cinema is your place to go. That's www.outsidethecinema.com. Outside the Cinema, your source
1: for cult movie discussion. (muchos) mm <muchos>
3: It up a little there.
2: <laughs>
1: Working in coma, Alright, time for
3: some feedback. Um, I gotta open up the email here because we got a couple emails this week. That means I gotta read. I want some more ice cream.
2: Welp shot or something. Need some energy? Well, I just went to piss, and as soon as I stood up, I'm like, yep, I'm still sick. This sucks. I feel like shit. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I can mono or something, and then I'll fucking go to Horrorhound. Everybody will get it. Yeah! On their dicks. What? Yeah! What? On their uh, <laughs> ganglia.
3: Ganglia obtrublias. What does that even mean? Uh, James send us in a voicemail he says
1: jesus
3: uh if you say that subject line i'll be impressed it's james from every other podcast fame and even an episode that still lives in infamy of silver and gold primarily because of the scream that still haunts my days and nights (laughs) i made the scream uh loving the show as usual especially the argento one what -hmm. was even stranger like we it was like we had a collective consciousness of sorts i happened to show bird with the crystal plumage to a gal who wanted to watch it then the next day i downloaded your episode to see you recovering it i love that film especially the arrow uk release on blue looks gorgeous Uh, i wanted to regale you with a short story about meeting some wrestlers many years ago uh, when the invasion happened in wwe when wcw was bought out by vince my brother and i went to madison square garden uh hours before the show we were seeing it might have been raw and we were near the parking garage where most le- wrestlers would come out. One of the nicest guys was Booker T, who was yelling at kids to get out of
1: the street. Wait a minute! One of the nicest guys had to be Tommy Wildfire Rich, baby! <laughs> getting get crazy! crazy. <laughs> who was yelling at kids crazy. getting crazy to get out of the way of the street? they get hit by some cars. He was trained by somebody, and I can't remember who, Ivan Putsky and his brother um <laughs> he said <Steve> <laughs> it
3: was he said it was more like this
1: yo suckers yeah. you're gonna get hit <laughs> that
3: was a terrible booker t and proceeded to sign what that one yes and proceeded to sign dozens of autographs canyon who was uh dead sadly was also really nice just uh going just what just going inside and coming back out to talk to everyone just being a stand-up guy two worst guys Bubba Ray, who told people to get the fuck away from me, you fucking ass fucks. I and I've got, my, I've got my family here, cocksuckers, and ran inside. And Steven Richards, who tried to rush into the entrance saying he was late. Sadly, it was the exit which he was trying to find a handle to. Not finding that, he walked a shameful walk around the area while we all chanted, "Na na na na, hey hey goodbye,
1: hey 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 goodbye." It's getting crazy. You remember when Tommy Wildfire Rich was in A C W and he was the big don, and he was a manager for the full-blooded Italians, baby? Tracy Smothers, Little Guido, and Tommy Wildfire Rich, full-blooded Italians, baby.
3: So many more wrestling stories, but that one just sprung to mind. Going to take a shit now, James. Oot. So thank you, James.
1: Blame it on the James. Yeah, yeah.
3: Christina, you can
1: blame it on the,
2: germs,
3: Christina but the
2: James. Christina has
3: sent us an email.
2: But the James don't care. <laughs> Christina, she's <laughs> down. Gold. Texas, baby.
3: Uh, first time feedback and a, a long time friend of the show. I just wanted to. Mention,
1: the the show, baby. <laughs> Christina Just wanted to mention a few <laughs> things. <laughs> just to yeah, some more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> right, I just so wanted so to mention a few
3: back. things concerning the topic of the mining community. I've always been a bit obsessed and fascinated with that profession. I think the first film <laughs> I, saw, I saw that just broke me was How, was How Green Was My Valley, 1941. And, of course, in later years, the amazing Harlan County, USA from 76. Uh, it was a revelation to the often generational circle that coal mining plays in these rural communities. It seems to be one of those quote-unquote jobs that gets passed down from one generation to the next. I, unfortunately, have not seen the two films you're reviewing today, but I wondered if you two have seen the two I mentioned and I think we we talked about Harlan County, which I haven't seen. But how green was my valley? I
1: started a Harlan County, USA group on Facebook, baby. All we're gonna show is coal miners, titties, and cheese dicks. Cheese dicks, we're mining cheese curds. (laughs)
3: Um, I'm equally curious to hear what Zom has to say concerning the mountaintop removal and its basic destruction to many towns in West Virginia. There's an article in this week.
2: Love it. I love it.
3: (laughs) Fuck fuck mountains, stupid hills. Uh, Stupid
2: West Virginia hills.
1: (laughs) All the hills, beautiful hills. How I love those West Virginia hills.
3: (laughs) There's an article in this week's people concerning Twilight's blight to a fight a losing battle against it. Uh, I will post the link on our group. Um, thanks a lot for reading the last minute email and I look forward to hearing this week's reviews. Alright, so James sent in a voicemail that I will now play as a follow-up to his email. So here we go. Thank you, Christina.
0: Yes. Silver and Gold, it's James. What a weird week. Email... And hopefully this phone call gets through right in time. But, yeah, last week you were talking about the the Blockbuster when it said, you know, Blockbuster video, wow, what a difference. It was (laughs) Blockbuster. I remember that. Because I worked there for like a year, and I had to hear the tail end of that horrible (laughs) fucking line of commercials. And I wanted to shoot everybody. People would come in and actually say that. Wow,
3: what a difference.
0: Yes, yeah, so I was actually looking up some commercials, yeah, so, so I might put some up on your uh, wall. Yes, I'm mean, I'm cool like that or annoying like that, so we'll see. But yeah, you were right, guys. You might have you might have you know thought it wasn't that, but it is. <laughs> and I won't talk for 12 minutes, so I'll go now.
2: Maybe is that in guys. reference to somebody else who talks for 12 minutes?
3: <laughs> Um. Thank you, James. Um. Uh, back to, uh, back to Christina's uh, email. Um. You did talk a little bit about it, but um. Maybe we'll just start a little. We'll start a little pinko thread on our thing. You can. We can talk about the. Uh, uh, I'm mountaintop, it right now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm
3: on it. I'm on it. Okay.
1: I love that Christina Coon. She let down there and Take care of them doggies and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, care Air Clan.
3: We got a couple more. Oh, he's so dead. Um, I, w- I was reading the whole depressing story about the Von Erichs again this week.
2: Jesus. Um, Man, what are you going to do? You make your path. You take your path. Make your path. Whatever. Whatever. You take it and make it.
3: Next voicemail.
0: Uh, Loaf made me look it up because hearing him saying block this video, wow, what a difference. He made me <laughs> <No way. really laughs> go crazy because then I started to think he was wrong that it was something else, and I had like one of those at-home moments in the office, but I looked it up, and yes, apparently it was a blockbuster video. Um, it was really upsetting, because I listened to it while I was on the subway, and I couldn't look it up online, and it was a moment where I realized technology doesn't answer every question. <laughs> um, also, um, I agree on Suspiria about if you watch it the first time on a laptop, um, you kind of will never enjoy it, and therefore the movie soon ruins me for me, because I watched it the wrong way. Um, lesson learned, indeed. Goodbye. I'll see one of you next weekend
3: or this weekend. I don't know when. <laughs> Bye. Um, <laughs> the uh, now she, so uh, Emily sent that in yesterday, so she actually beat James to the punch. So that's funny that we got to do it one week about that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he scooped, he scooped her, even though he didn't.
3: Fuck what movies? Whatever movies reviewed. <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, and last voicemail from a familiar voice. <laughs>
1: thing I the cinemasticist checked the sits so and on the Facebook page while he's on eating lunch at work because he just found out he was a recording day early and he didn't send any feedback in, that's blasphemy. Alright, the only thing I know that I want to talk about is um I know you don't know horn much, so it's okay, but I have to correct you. The Friday thirteenth theme actually goes kill, kill,
0: kill, kill bah, bah, bah,
1: bah. all right. But out of this I decided yeah. to give a, a little silver and gold core theme, alright? <clears throat> One, two, I'm in Loaf podcasting for you. Three, four, talking about hookers and whores. Five, six, posting pictures of mutilated dicks. Seven, eight, making the assholes gape. Nine, <laughs> ten, never eating cheese again. All right, you good. fuckers, have a good one, and I will see all of you except for Loaf.
0: before <laughs> <right, around> on weekend. <laughs>
3: God, that's like tomorrow. You're going to be... What's
2: tomorrow? Tomorrow's Thursday. Yeah. It's Friday. I got an extra day to uh, try and... um, Figure out how to... Get (laughs) this... How to drive six and a half hours without shitting my pants. (laughs) Oh, God. Did I just say that out loud? You knew I did.
3: Maybe you need need to... uh, Maybe you need to start eating cheese, unlike Justin recommended against.
2: I'm wondering if that's not what fucking uh, I don't know. Whatever, who cares? I'll I'll be there. I will be there. Yeah, I will not. You but will not.
3: I'll post a picture from the concert.
2: Yeah, I got fr- I got Saturday
3: yeah. off too. Ugh. Yeah.
2: Oh well. When's the concert? Friday. Friday night. Yeah. See, you could get in the fucking car and you could be at Whorehound Saturday. Oh my God! And Sunday. The drive to Indianapolis. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> it's nine. A- it's like nine hours from the Cinematicus home. It's six and a half hours from my home. So from your home, you would it'd probably be like sixteen. It'd take you like two <sighs> days.
3: <probably>. <laughs> <laughs> I have to drive through the mountains. So, um, yeah, ten, o- well, ten not hours. Not
1: if we blow the top off of them.
3: It's about it's about eleven hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot farther than oh uh, than uh than Ohio. that's a big so.
2: suck sandwich you need to move get out of that fucking uh backward ass uh non no gay marion
3: yeah i'm moving to west virginia oh wait yeah.
2: no we're like the worst <laughs> i think they said the most racist state in the union now I thought somebody said the other day told me that it, that uh, they did a poll and the most racist state and it was uh West Virginia but I find that difficult to fucking believe.
3: <laughs> it's probably where there's actually I've
1: been down south, baby. Actually, more, you know more
3: areas of people of minorities to hate.
2: Well, I will say this. I don't think there's that many minorities in West Virginia. That's what I mean. <laughs> so that's probably yeah, that's probably why whereas a lot of the places down south are have more minorities, whether they are Polish or Hungarian
3: or Italian or
2: hey, you know, today is Freddie Mercury's birthday and it's also Werner Herzog's birthday to
3: I want to see a Werner Herzog Werner
2: Herzog and Freddie Mercury have sex
3: queen documentary in a cave. Yeah, my uh, sister. what? All right, that's it for feedback. We're just rambling. Um, So, next week on the show.
2: Got me uh, an entire Queen concert on. Good. Yeah, next week on the show. We're we're doing
3: a couple of uh, out of place, out of time movies. um, Inspired by my viewing of it last week, Zom has chosen Time Bandits from
1: 1981. So,
3: Sean Connery will be on the show two weeks in a row. And uh, we are doing that's from 1981, directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh, we are also doing a film from 1993 called Demolition Man. Yay! And that will be Bob Gunton appearing for the second week in the show. <laughs> second week in a row on the show as well. So, Demolition Man and Time Bandits next week. That's
2: going to be a fun one. So you're saying it should be a fun one?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Zom, do you have anything else, sir? No. Oh. No. Cool. So yeah! until next week.
1: This hey. is Tommy Wildfire Love Oot. Living off go down there. Horror weekend, in Indianapolis, Indiana, where all the rich people get crazy. In Indianapolis, 500 dick bruiser, and all them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll see you guys next week. Bye.
2: Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Bye, thanks for the feedback, and uh, we love you all, and uh, yeah, this isn't just a podcast anymore. This has become like some kind of a weird cult.